This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fuelled by Guinness, powered by Celery. The show that always believed we could win, never give up, and in fact, we could say we were stoked, and that was just the Ashes cricket. Frank Lampard and Chelsea got off the mark on the early Saturday kickoff against Norwich on Saturday, and the relief was perhaps palpable, as the delight as the as the delight was amongst the supporters. Even better, Tammy Abraham got off the mark, scoring not once but twice, and Mason Mount got his second in two games. How wonderful to see two of our brightest young prospects stepping up and taking responsibility. But there were also good performances from the likes of Kovacic, Jorginho and Aspie, all of whom have faced criticism recently. Uh, One Canary does not make a summer, though, and we still have issues at the back, shipping two poor goals and our vulnerability at the back, leaving the result in doubt for much of the game. But judging by the people I know and witnessing the positive reaction among the hardcore away support, most supporters get what is happening with the club at the moment. I'm delighted to see the youngsters finally getting a chance, are 100% behind Frank and his team, and will be prepared to be patient even if results do not go Chelsea's way this season. Right, Jonathan? Well, Don't answer that yet. Don't answer that yet. Don't answer that yet. We're going to get to you later. Don't you worry about that. Before we do that, this is the Chelsea Fancast number 469, Tammy's Double Whammy. There we go. And I've got a double whammy of wonderfulness uh, on the show tonight with me. Day late. Uh, kind of semi-apologies for that, but uh, can't be helped. Uh, we have bank holiday things occasionally throughout the year, and one of them was yesterday. So uh, we don't do shows on bank holiday Mondays, but there you go. But I have, as you've already heard, the irrepressible Mr. Jonathan Kidd. A joy to be on the show. Thank you. My pleasure, my pleasure. And uh, I can't believe we're saying this. For the first time, for the first time since March, unbelievable. Uh, We've got the wonderful, 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 wonderful Alexandra, the girl who likes balls, Churchill. Hurrah! How are you and where have you been? Have you told everybody on here about our really showbiz row where you ended up spitting in my gin and I threw a vegan pint of beer over you and that's why I haven't been on? It's all lies, Alex, as you know. (laughs) 
All lies, I, I tell you. All lies. No, it's lies, mate. She's making it up. The last time hey, I saw nice. Alex, uh, we were uh, on our way back from uh, the 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 field the fields of Flanders, having had a wonderful, wonderful trip to the World War One battlefields, where I had an absolutely superb time. Uh, and Alex was just a genius, Jonathan. I know you you were going to be there, but you missed out because she Alex is a brilliant uh, host and tour guide, and she deserves a massive pat on the back for that. We all thoroughly enjoyed it, my love. Oh, I'm glad. Well, as much as you can enjoy these things anyway. Indeed. Right, on the show tonight, we discuss Frank and Tammy getting off the mark, Mason Mount looking the real deal, and Kovacic putting in a mature and impressive uh, performance. Uh, In part two, we discuss VAR, a clear and obvious farce. Uh, Christensen versus Zuma, who will partner Rudiger when he returns. And will the supporters back Frank, irrespective of the results? We have the view from the posh seats versus the view from the cheap seats. Uh, In part three, we look at Chelsea's current injury crisis with Kante and Pedro struggling and Rudiger, uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi, Loftus-Cheek and Rhys James set for return soon. And we look ahead to the Champions League draw this Friday, plus a few parish notices. And in part four, we have some superb emails to read out. I mean, they really are absolute stonkers this week. Uh, They're from Chain uh, on uh, Zonal Marking, John on VAR, Yarin on Chelsea Women's Trip, or the Chelsea Women's Team's Trip to Israel, Paul's delight in how Chelsea are progressing, and Brendan's Tales from Oz. So there you go. Now, don't forget, you can listen to the show live every Monday, apart from when it's not on a Monday, as in when it's on a Tuesday because of a bank holiday, as as I mentioned uh, mentioned uh, for uh, for t- hither for two or something I don't know anyway uh, a minute ago for English uh, listeners uh, anyway you can listen every every Monday seven o'clock uh, live on Mixler mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast where of course you can join in all the chat uh, by posting on the live chat page as so many are um, we've got loads of people and as always quick a flutter down the old list Otter Blues Sean B Chesk in the City like that. Garfield Bailey, Kurt, the lovely Bob Uzray, Tuba 4, Praj, who says that Sam Matterface's suggestion on VAR was good. I don't know what it was. Oh, VAR out. Yeah, quite right. I agree with that. English Dan 7 says, what a title. And I love the beeping stop which, stop what? Stop which? That's a Freudian slip. John Paul Guevara, Benji Toe, Ashley Brain. Oh, the lovely Claire McConnell. I'm looking forward to meeting Claire on saturday uh lunchtime i think in the cock because she's over from toronto so there you go so there we go uh get on mixler it's great fun people will uh chat away to their heart's content uh being oblivious to everything that we say which is exactly how it should be uh of course you can always tweet us at chelsea fancast during the show tell us what you think about the games anything else on show- chelsea in fact you can do that anytime you like and you might even catch me in the right frame of mind and moment and i will reply now After this very quick break, uh, we're going to be talking about the Norwich-Chelsea game. Right, so, um, you know, I was still kind of... Uh, I missed this match. Uh, I'll be very honest with you. I wasn't there, which is a great shame. But I was uh, 
I was travelling down, having had a, a couple of days on the piss uh, in Leeds, watching the test match at Headingley. Uh, but I, I was quite weird because I was listening to it, obviously, on the radio. Uh, but my, my partner in crime had it on his phone, which was amazing. And so it was really annoying because uh, he kept on saying, Goal! Because his feed was ahead of the radio feed, which is really weird. And I'm saying, what are you talking about? He says, Chelsea of school. And he was like running through the goals for me. And then I was hearing it on the radio, all very, very weird. But I think I think the main and most beautiful thing of all, of course, is that uh, Frank uh, finally gets off to the mark. Uh, the media will be in mourning that they can't eviscerate him for being shit anymore. But in, in all seriousness, Alex, um, how much of a relief will this win be for Frank and the team and the players? And the supporters, to be fair. Uh, yeah, relief. I mean, to be honest, this was the one where you can kind of excuse the United game. You can kind of excuse the stupid waste of time. Um, it was a relief, but it wasn't like we were all waiting for him to get the chop if it didn't happen. But you would have expected to win that one. United was a fucking disaster. Then you had the Scouse game, which was pointless and ridiculous. Then you had the Leicester game where everybody was exhausted and we kind of asked for what we got in that one and ended up being lucky. So this was the one when you were like, no, we really need to start stop sodding about now and take three points. And we did. Yeah. Despite despite the virtual arsehole rampage. And oh, we'll get to it later. Okay, yeah. oh, all right. Rage. I'll, I'll let that one ferment for you yeah. for a while. It sounds like it needs to ferment and then it will be pure vitriol i suspect when it comes out which i'm looking forward to uh jonathan old bean um you know we, we 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 talk a lot to the media and stuff and they've all been i i i know it sounds a bit you know whiny of me but <clears throat> it does smack of an agenda you know crisis at chelsea and all this rubbish um but do you think i mean you know i i i how did you feel after watching it were you relieved with one because i i, I think as i because i did actually this will amuse you by the way i i couldn't listen to the love sport show live on friday because i was somewhere in leeds getting absolutely wankered uh but <laughs> i did when i got back i remembered that there had in fact been on a, a show uh, uh, which you and clayton had been on so i i, cr- I literally climbed well crawled into bed and found it on demand and I listened to it but I, I'm not sure how long I listened to it for because I, I think I, I might have like you know drifted in and out of sleep nothing to do with you guys who were fantastic as always but more to the fact that I was absolutely munted but I do seem to recall I think you predicted a draw didn't you or Clayton did no no, no I predicted 3-2 did you 3-2 to which was very similar to the result I think you'll find. yeah I can I can go yes, back and I, check you know I can check this you know I'd but like I'd like you to <laughs> you'll find 3-2 is what I said well and fair play fair play with that was because it was 4-2 last year wasn't it with him with Derby mm. and obviously I felt that the way that we're dealing with set pieces that we'd give in two goals or even just a counter-attack and I was proven exactly right because both their goals were scored on the counter-attack and uh, and also that bloke um Godfrey what his name was hit the bar with the header that they they seem to be incapable of anybody jumping at not the right not Godfrey time. from Dad's army surely well, enough, if, that would, if he'd been playing in his battle dress that would have been phenomenal it would it? it would to, where would they have had to put him in in uh, on the on the six yard line probably but no he um well, he's he, still fitter uh, than Higuain he what sorry he'd Say still again. be fitter than Higuain this is true and he's dead now what Higuain. No, the guy that played Godfrey. <laughs> I think you'll find he's dead, his. He's I think, yeah. I think you'll find his name is Arthur Ridley. Isn't that correct, Jonathan? 
Anyway, bottom line is, Alex, uh, just to show you how much of a panic we should be in and how much we should all believe everything that the media say, uh, we're on four points now um, after three games. Okay, that means we've dropped five, which is not massively clever. But we're level on United with fifth, who are in fifth. And and we're level with Spurs, who are on seventh. We're 13th at the moment. We've had three matches. I mean, what is wrong with people? And as El Salvador pointed out, this is... It categorically the weakest we will be all season as well. Who's El Salvador? Rodrigo, he's lovely. He lives in New York now, but he was over for the first game. So we had New New York contingent in town um, for the Leicester game. But yeah, as he pointed out, he he pointed out the points thing and he said, and there is no way we'd have to be bloody unlucky to at ever point be this weak in terms of the amount of injuries we've got again this season. I agree with that entirely, and there'll be more of that later because we're going to talk about some of the returnees who are imminent. Um, it's 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 you know look we can't we can't talk about the Norwich match without uh, praising Tammy Abraham, uh, Chelsea's number nine. Uh, I mean, fair play to Tammy Abraham. I think anyway, it speaks a lot of his confidence that he's prepared to take on the number nine shirt. Of course, all of us who have been around for a long time, and I mean a long time, know exactly uh, what. Uh, how heavy the number nine shirt weighs the thing is Alex as I said for for anybody who's been following Chelsea for years you know anybody who wears the number nine shirt seems to be cursed that's like the curse of the mummy isn't it going right the way back Robert Fleck uh you know Joe Allen etc 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 but for him to like come out to the start of the season say no I want the number nine jersey I am Chelsea's number nine and then miss that, uh, you know, Super Cup penalty, which would have, I mean, you know, that doing that meant Lukaku ran away. So this kid's got massive cojones, clearly can deal with the pressure, clearly up for the challenge. But the best thing of all, Alex, was I thought those goals were both superbly taken. Oh, and what a breath of fresh air after having the human jellyfish wearing number nine of late as well who did nothing but moan and complain and whine when it wasn't going his way. To have someone who's like half his age being a grown-up, um, I feel rather spoiled to actually have a striker who strikes. And and somebody so enthusiastic. I mean, you know, the other the other thing, obviously, that we can't ignore is, is you know, his celebration after the first, where he ran up to uh, to Frank, Frank Lampard and, uh, and the rest of the coaching team, big embrace. I mean, this is what we want to see, isn't it? It's joyful. I mean, can you imagine Sarri posting a picture of himself with Zola, both of them drinking out of penis straws on a Saturday <laughs> night and well, having no, a laugh? Not, no, not, no, I can't. I don't really. think Sarri knew how to laugh. It looked no. like he was constipated if he ever laughed. Well, well actually, on the, on, the, on the point of Sarri, I believe the poor old boy's got pneumonia. So, uh, um, oh, we, dear. We, well, in in fairness, we should we should wish him well. It's not nice pneumonia. No. So, uh, but then again, smoking eighty fags a day won't help. Uh, no, so, uh, well, maybe he'll quit. Well, maybe he should. Maybe he mm. should. Um, uh, we'll we'll go back to Tammy when uh, Jonathan resurfaces uh, from the miasma of his computer nightmare. But anyway, uh, I want to talk about Kovacic too because I thought Kovacic. Uh, actually, now before we do that, let's talk more more about Tammy because. You know, there's that. Do you think that? I mean, look, we've been saying for the last few weeks that uh, I think that Frank would rather play Tammy Abraham because I think he suits Chelsea's system or the way that Frank wants us to play, which is this kind of high energetic press, which which Tammy will do. He's got more energy. But let's not write off uh, Giroud. Giroud is a super striker, uh, but he a very is, different but striker. Giroud's more in the mould of Drogba, isn't he? He's your big. Um strong 
crusty centre-forward uh, who bullies people like Van Dyke, eats them for breakfast. Um, Tammy's not. Tammy's a different kind of striker, um, and I do think that suits more. But I think there's going to be room for both of them this season. I, well, I would agree with that. I mean, of course, the other the other striker is, is Mitchie Batshuayi, who... You know, I, I don't have a downer on Mitchie at all, actually. I mean, I do think he's third in the pecking order because I think... I mean, the irony about Mitchie Batshuayi is what he's really good at is being in the penalty area and scoring goals. But I have suspicions that he's not really very good at anything else. We know he's very good at getting offside, but uh, yeah. I don't think his movement's particularly intelligent. And I'm not sure if that suits the kind of play we want. But, I, I, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm old school. I like the idea that we have three strikers available, but he seems to have been frozen out a bit. Possibly, do you think? I think perhaps someone mentioned that he was coming back to properly full fitness as he had something wrong with him. But um, he is. we've had three managers now that haven't got excited about him, which means that I think you're probably right in terms of... And he, he's never going to be our number one striker. Um, he may do a job for us, but I think he is easily third in the pecking order at the moment and mm. a long, long way from climbing any higher. But I tell you what, I mean, one thing I think we've already gleaned from Frank so far is that, you know, if you put it in uh, on the training ground and in the games, you're going to get a chance. I don't, I don't think he's... I mean, I think there are people he's kind of, you know, give him, give him about six weeks, you know, and he'll, he'll start getting his kind of core 15, 16 players, I'm sure. But I, I, I get the feeling that Frank's a bit too savvy to kind of freeze people out because he, he knows the English game enough to know that you will get injuries, you will get suspensions, and you will need to call on people. And so I don't know, maybe Mitchie will get his shot. Maybe we'll see Mitchie turning up in the, in the Caribou and see mm. how that goes, but we'll see. At the moment, though, it's lovely to have a, a, a striker who you know can score goals. And, and I thought they were great goals by Tammy. And, of course, they were important. You know, He scored the winning goal when we were not, I think, guaranteed to win that match. So that is what you want. Now, I, I kind of like slipped into Kovacic a minute ago because I wanted to, yeah. uh, to talk about him because uh, he's another interesting kind of legacy from the Sarri era. We never really knew... Uh, much about him, what kind of a player he was, where he really played, where he was best. He had a few good, you know, performances last season, but there was all that always that suspicion that you know square peg peg round hole. Um, with Kante getting injured or not being fit for the match, which was obviously going to worry everybody going up there, Kovacic steps up to play in the two together with Jorginho. I've got some stats here which I nicked off off, off social media. He won 75% of his tackles, uh, won 13 duels, won back possession in all thirds of the pitch, won three free kicks, completed 100% of his long passes, made two key passes, completed 100% of his take-ons. Not sure what a take-on is. Is that a bit like a carry-out? I don't know. Uh, Sadly, he didn't register on the dribbles uh, uh, statistics. I'm a big fan of the dribbles uh, statistics, but there you go. Bottom line is, that looks pretty impressive to me. And I have to say, Alex, judged on that performance... Uh, which again, I would think, has got a little bit uh, of Frank instilling confidence and faith and trust in some of these players. But he looks a far better player than we thought from last season. Well, how many players last season were we complaining that they didn't get to show us their, what they're good at because we knew them and we know what they're good at? And we didn't get to see them at their best because of what Sarri was asking them to do. And it was quite a telling comment by, I can't remember who, at the weekend where they said that this is now you will get to see the creative side of Kovacic and the fact that actually... 
we had never seen him before Sari. We only saw the Sari model, which was presumably constrained as everybody else was at times by his mad tactics or lack of. And um, that actually now you'll get to see the player for real. Um, I, I'm glad we signed him. I think he's the new Mikel. One, because he can't shoot. And two, because <laughs> yeah. um, he uh, he's one of those ones that's never going to get the glory and he's never going to be anyone's favourite and he's not really going to be on the back of anyone's shirt. But you need to stop giving him shit because he actually does do a job for us and he proved that against Norwich. I, but um, uh, can I disagree with you about Kovacic? I think he will appear on people's shirts because I think, if you remember when he made his debut... Because he's, he's a good Sarri Scrabble, is it because he's season. a good Scrabble score? It could, perfect Scrabble score, blimey. But it, it, I don't know how... What's, he's got lots of I's and O's, so he won't be too big, though, as a Scrabble score. Would He's got a K and a V with him, so... Yeah. Could do with a Z, okay, could do with a Z, really, couldn't he? Could, he? He could, and an X, Z mm. and an X would mm. be nice. Um, he played fantastically in the very first game, if you remember, when he came on after he'd been come as sub. And we were all extolling his praises and thinking, who's this great midfield player? And I think it was before Sarri had got his hands on him. And I think he played, he, he played too well that game. And I think Sarri's had to say, had to say no, 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 you're playing in the wrong place. You, know, you need to be playing, you need to be, be, have, have the straight jacket on, being, being doing exactly what I tell you to do. And uh, I, what I'm loving about the season is, is the more you watch Frank's team play, the more you realise how completely um, prevented they were from exposing themselves under Sarri because of the way he wanted to play. You just think, well, you know, I, I wasn't seeing any of, the, of this from these players. I wasn't seeing Jorginho play in this, this interesting, expansive role because he's clearly a very good player. And the, um, I know you're going to get onto it, but the chant for Jorginho in the, uh, in the first half actually made me slightly tearful because I thought, my goodness, these are the same people who last year were, were absolutely getting at him and booing him off when he was being subbed. And here he had people appreciating him within Frank's system because he's a good player and he's able to play in different systems. And it seems to me the shackles are off in this environment. The dilemma is the shackles are so off that um, we're, we're a little tacking. bit too free at the moment, aren't we? Too, absolutely, <laughs> we're too we're too free. So I thought yeah. Kovacic was was ex- Kovacic was excellent. Good. And it's important exactly. afterwards. Frank's interviews after the game, in which he pointed not out not just in the football, but his personality that he's been so impressed with him and his attitude since he arrived at the club. I think he he could have easily gone right. Well, bloody be here. The fans were horrible to me. The manager's gone. Was only on loan, and now I'm stuck here because I can't buy anybody else. And he has he hasn't done that at all. He's well, just, I mean, I you know I, I wrote an article on Jorginho uh, before the season started, uh, saying that you know I was really impressed about the way that he'd come out in the media publicly and said, "Oi, I'm not going to Napoli. Oh, sorry, to uh, Juventus. I'm not Sarri's son. You know, so I am my own player. I'm a good player. I love this." new manager I like what he's trying to do and I'm going to stay here and prove myself and I said you know just based on what I'd seen in pre-season um, maybe the system will suit him he is a very good player last mm. year was a peculiar and somewhat esoteric set of circumstances which I don't think did anybody any favours um, so I'm not surprised actually and actually do you know what JK I'm not surprised by the supporters we may have our moments but on the whole we get behind people if you put it in for us and you give 100% you know, we'll 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 support you. You know, and I think it's always always been that way, right? Um, I'd love to have been one sec. Just love to have right. been in the in the crowd that moment 
when the chant started. And whoever what was what was the chant? What was the chant? I can't remember the chant. What they'd given him? What was it? It was like Jorginho, Jorginho. Was it that one, Alex? Do you remember? Jorginho. I, I can't remember. It was something like that. But it was, but it was a, it was a, a you know, a, a predictable song. But it's the very fact that somebody came up with it. So, some people sang it, and then everybody sang it, which was uh, would have been a remarkable moment. Otherwise, be one bloke on his own singing, and everybody telling him to fuck off. Yeah. I mean, but, it's, um, it's, um, that's what normally happens to me. <laughs> it's, it's interesting yeah, but you're that things kind like of... Barry Bridges is only one Barry Bridges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People yeah. look at you as if you're mad. I always say I, the, the song that gets. Sorry, Alex. I, can you pause? Pause your thought because I, I've got. I need. A, I've got a gag brewing. But uh, you know I, I, that always happens to me when I sing the Super Jock song. You know, Super Jock scores more goals than that wanker Stanley Bowles. La 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 <laughs> la 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 la. Which I've always loved, but it's kind of now in the midst. Finished. Yeah, Finiston yeah. to everybody. Yeah. Steve, Steve yeah. to his yeah. mates. Yeah. Right, sorry, Alex, I, I kind of hijacked that, which is very naughty of me. Carry on. I was just going to say that, right, I mean, yes, we are massive hypocrites, but aren't all football fans, but I just think, yeah. uh, I, I like to think of it as um, Kovacic, who we'd never seen him before, Sarri, and Jorginho, who was like intertwined <laughs> with him, whether he liked it or not. Now they've been emancipated. I'm just looking at it as like a fresh start for both of them. And I think it's really good that people have just, they've not, there's not really any hangover from how much shit they got last season. They've just got behind them straight away, which is hypocritical, but it's also it's nice as well. Let's just let them start again. No, too right. I agree with that. Now let's 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 talk about um, this. I, I, I'm the more I see of this kid, uh, the more impressed I am. Mason Mount scores another goal. That's his second in two weeks. Um, he was uh, supposed to be playing in the number ten role, but thanks to Pedro getting injured in the warm up, was moved out. Uh, to the right, I believe, um, and I mean, I, I'll, I'll, I'll say it here. I think he's the real deal. I think he's the best youngster we've seen break through, and the reason I think that, uh, Alex, is uh, that he is so he looks so confident and he looks at home playing for Chelsea. When we've seen, if you remember when Loftus Cheek uh, first played for us, he looked a bit out of his depth. Remember, we were all saying that he didn't quite look like he felt he belonged. Uh, you could say the same about Hudson Odoi, I think, as well. Ampadu, I would argue, looked totally at home, even though he's about, you know, three and a half. But I think this kid has got it all. I really do. Um, I am so impressed with him, Alex. Well, the di- what's the difference between all those players? The difference is that Mason Mount went out on loan. It's yeah. really worked for him. And that we've got to the end of Loftus-Cheek is kind of, he, he's done it now, as far as I'm concerned. He's proved he's good enough to play for Chelsea. Um but there was a time when we wondered if keeping him there and not putting him out on loan had really badly affected his chances of coming into the first team. But Mason Mount, just the attitude he must have on him to be able to just keep stepping up in terms of environment and difficulty. And I mean, he's, the, I don't even get me started on bloody Willian, but when he's giving the ball away and standing there and shrugging and being all stroppy, who's the one chasing the ball back for him to win it back? The kid doesn't stop. His, just, his attitude on the pitch is amazing. And I love him, even though, even though it the living shit out of me that if I'd been a real slut at school, I could be his mum. Okay, I think I'll move on. Uh, no, that's great, Alex. That's quite. I'm just kind of mulling that. I'm, actually, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop mulling that over in my head because it's pornographic. Um, anyway, uh, Jonathan, uh, what, what do you say to me and Alex, who are clearly very in love with Mason Mount, although in somewhat different ways? <laughs> I say to Alex, how would that have worked out? Being you, being uh, his mum. 
I, I don't know. Do you know what? I think I saw Tammy Abraham's mum outside after the game, and she doesn't look that old either. And so I'm getting into yeah. the realms now with the really young players, where yeah. I actually could have been their mums. It's new. Well, me, it's me and Jonathan could be their grandfather. So have a, have a think <laughs> about that one. No, I could be their 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 um their men their, their domestic <clears throat> man servants. I could mm. be. Yeah. That's taking on a whole new pervy angle that I, I think we yeah, should move yeah, on from. <laughs> we should. Uh, yeah, as we were moving on earlier, um, I think that uh, he's wonderful, and as I said in the, the moment there, um, never stops running. Uh, same. It's what Dennis White had the same attitude to constantly involved. Try not to give the ball away. Um, hates giving the ball away. Seems to hate. Hate being in situations where he hasn't scored or he's not done correctly. Constantly looking for self-improvement. Um, uh, wonderful breath of fresh air. Completely brilliant in the last two games. But the thing is, we've got to hope that he keeps going because there have been other players who've been brilliant and impressed and have faded away. But well, I can't also, see that. I can't see that happening because he was wonderful. At, he was excellent at Derby last year as well. And also, it's, it's great the trust that Frank has in him. And it, clearly, he's, he's yeah. Say what you're going to say. Yeah. I'm just going to say that the mark of how well he's doing is the fact that towards the end of the Norwich game, they started kicking the crap out of him like they would have done if Hazard was playing. So if you're being targeted, then it's because you scare the living daylights out of them. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah. he's there already after, what, three games? Mm. Yeah. One of the things that I really like about him, chaps, is I think he's a very intelligent player. Uh, and and clearly he's he's you know as a from midfielder he's got an eye for a goal. Um, does he remind you of anybody? Because I've got to be honest. I mean I know they're very different players stylistically, but uh, I think he's when you when you friend. yeah when you factor that in and the fact that he you know Frank is his his, his hero, uh, and he's also that he seems to have this like Tammy does apparently according to Frank as well. You know a capacity for hard work on the training ground to get better and better and better. I mean it reminds me of Frank Lampard, J.K. Yeah, yeah. Well, you would hope so, because he's got his mentor with him there. And um, Frank is impressing on many levels at the moment, isn't he? As you say, the uh, the fact that he's seen with the players and clearly um, he, he clearly loves them and they they love him. I mean, I felt that the, the Tammy moment after the goal, I know you've expressed that before, we talked about it before, when I was disappearing in my masses of uh, SoundCloud files. But um, he, uh, it was it was really superb. It was a superb joyous moment of not only him grabbing Frank round the neck but then having everybody hug him and everybody pile in I thought my goodness me we're, we're, we're getting back to a, um, a, a, an appreciation of each other as players that uh, we had at the, we had with Conte possibly but um, even then I never saw him being hugged by the players and everybody hugging all the other players I thought that was great after after the three games uh, it, it was some um, it was it was a very joyous occasion. The whole match, actually, just it was annoying. It was it was um, dampened by the uh, by them scoring m nearly always against the run of play. But uh, no, it was. I thought we were great. I thought it was really really terrific. And I thought Mount contributed, as did Pulisic. I think Pulisic is a cracking little player. You know, yeah, he's great. Um, he also he's got a bit of bite in him. You know, he did a couple of mm. tackles. You thought actually, hang on, that was uh, a, bit, a bit of crunch there. And um, and he's canny and a bright boy as well. It's it's um and it was wasn't it the um, the uh, the youngest age of a team for twenty five years. Yeah, the, apparently. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All good. All right, chaps. We're going to move this on in part two because we're going to because uh, we've got of course Jonathan, as you well know, people who listen to this show regularly, is a qualified referee. Um, and uh, we're going to discuss VAR, which to me, in my mind, is a clear and obvious farce. 
Uh, Christensen versus Zuma. We're still suffering from uh, uh, basically what I would describe as uh, defensive palsy. Uh, you know, so who one of them's going to go? I think when Rudiger returns. So we're going to discuss who that might be, and um, and without you know uh, kind of poking the bear too much. Uh, I, I happen to be privy to a, a short interview that a certain member of the fancast team gave to the people of Love Sport on uh, on f- Saturday morning. I think I don't know. Anyway, bottom line is it kind of made me think because you see, I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna just preface this and tease this a bit, J.K. Because I haven't shared what we're gonna really talk about with you at all, and I think I owe you that. Um, I, I am, you know, I could be dogmatic and all the rest of it, but I'm, I'm a bit too old and wise for that. So I'm genuinely posing the question because, to my my mind, and we will do, don't answer me now. We'll do this later. But in my mind, pretty much everybody I speak to is just completely and utterly supportive of Frank, and it will be irrespective of the results. But uh, you gave a different view on on Saturday, and I'm I'm genuinely intrigued and interested in that. So we'll we'll have a, a little discussion about that later too. So there we go. We'll be back soon. The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge. You're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. And on tonight's show, we've got me, obviously, and the lovely Jonathan Kidd. And uh, the equally lovely, somebody I, I, I missed very much. She's not been on this bloody show for ages. I, I, was, I, I had spent four, I, well, with a lot of other people, I hasten to add, but I spent several days with Alex in Belgium and France in July and had a fantastic time, apart from the fact that she stitched me up like a kipper by... Uh, filming me being rather obscene with a, uh, a glass of Belgian beer and then posted it on Twitter and thousands of people saw what an absolute reprobate I really am. Um, but great to have you on the show, of course, Alex. Hurrah. Hurrah. Right. Uh, OK, I'm going to skip the first point because we've kind of done it, you know. <clears throat> we've gone past that. Let's go straight to VAR. Let's oh. get those teeth a gnashing. Now, I mean, remember, I was listening to this on the radio, so I had a rather weird perspective of it. And uh, my mate, not as familiar as with football as I am, was apoplectic. And he's not even a Chelsea fan. And I said, referee's Martin Atkinson, mate, he hates Chelsea. And my mate kept giggling because he could clearly see that there might be some credence to this view. But he's downright incompetent. I mean, from what I understand, peeps, let's just talk about the, the issues first. I think I've got these right. Uh, there was a clear penalty... Well, clear is probably a bit biased, but there was a penalty shout for Aspie, uh, which to most of the pundits seemed fairly clear, and that wasn't overturned by VAR. There was the Zuma goal where Giroud clattered into uh, Krull, I think the keeper is, and I understand why uh, VAR overturned that, because... You know, you're not really allowed to do that these days. Although Atkinson thought it was a fair goal because he's such a tit. And then there was the stamp on on Mount that was uh, missed by I I don't I think it was your mate Godfrey actually, uh, but he stamped on Mount and that was missed. So I think those are the main three. Have I got that right, J.K.? Yes, and, but also no. You've missed the um, the push on Abraham, which was uh, supposed to be a, it was right. considered not in the flow of play. Right. That is and, the worst. And, but but regardless of the fact that the ball was then passed into the middle of the pitch and they did the move that 
made the goal. So that. Oh was- yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember that one. Yes, that's well, right. Yeah. The whole thing was absolutely appalling because one of the major problems at the other end, the ref in Stockley Park overseeing it all, was Mariner. And they're all pals and they're all completely incompetent. They should all be retired. It's becoming, that that was an utter, utter disgrace. The idiocy. And then they had it, they had this bloke, the bloke on Sky, was this nerdy sounding... Yeah, Walton, as mm. like that, who wasn't clearly wasn't. He's obviously the membership secretary of their club. He's not going to put them in shit, is he? He's just going to he's going to sit there and say, "Well, he said something like, um, it was well, not enough. Uh, I didn't get enough views on it. I didn't get enough. You hang on, hang on. Everybody in the in the in the the land has seen that Aspilaqueta got kicked in the leg very hard by the defender. How the, how the fuck is that not a penalty? That was They're not, not a penalty. You want to say again? So, yeah. based on on the idiocy that we were told at Stockley Park, and I'll do this for each individual event in this game, that was okay. not a penalty because Mariner looked at it and said that Atkinson didn't make enough of an error in not getting in not giving it. Yeah, you, that's exactly. That, but that's like kind of club like. It's not. You're not making a decision based on, like as in the cricket. It, it overrules it, and everybody accepts that, that the referee is seen to look bad. It's clearly trying to avoid making the referee look bad. It's got nothing to do with the fact that blo- the referee in the ground can't hasn't seen it properly or has had the wrong angle, which is one of the reasons VAR was brought in in the first place. And once again in this situation, where are the linesmen? What are the linesmen doing? Well, they're even more the bloody redundant miss, now, aren't they? Miss the penalty. They're what? So they're all in they're on even it. They're more bloody they're... redundant now. They've been told yeah. not to put their flags up. Yeah. What are they, they absolutely... there for then? They're supposed yeah. to stand there and not well, flag offside what... and they're hope the computer does it for always... him. It's what referees have always wanted. They want always the linesman to do offside and ball in and out of play because it means they then become the complete strutting egomaniac that they joined in in the first place to become. It is absolutely frightful. And, but it, what was so appalling was the fact that this, the idiot, uh, not not the idiot of Walton, trying to find an excuse when he obviously saw that it was a penalty. And the, to all credit, Chris Sutton, who I normally think, you know, he, all his contrary views are a load of rubbish, was absolutely spot on giving him a hard time on Sky by saying, what on earth are you doing? Of course it was a penalty. Of course it was a penalty. What's a kick? It was, you know, he, he thwacked into him and Dave then can't shoot. It's prevented the goal. It's a kick. In the same way the push on Tammy is a push. In the same oh. way the stamp, the stamp on on Mount at the end, which, which what, what what did they miss? Did they could, did he go, oh no, will he apologise to him so it's all right then? The angle no, of his foot, if he was again, about a yard away, he went up and stamped on his foot for God's sake. Well, that sake. again is Mariner watching the replay and saying that Atkinson didn't make enough of a, a big enough mistake in not punishing that stamp. And the other one is worse, the Tammy one, and I sat there at Stockley Park and I said, this is wank and it will not work, is because they're saying that Tammy's push was not in the same phase of play as the goal. Fuck off. Of course it's in the same phase of play as the goal, because otherwise you're not going to be going towards the goal. And this is the problem. Southampton um, had one last year as well against Liverpool that would have have absolutely been a tragedy if VAR hadn't overruled it. And I don't think they had VAR in that game. But um, the guy sat there and snippily gave us, this is the head of PR for the Premier League, 
said we said to him, well, we're watching that replay because they showed it to us and they said, what did you think about this uh, Liverpool goal? We said, well, it's ridiculous. They wouldn't be going towards the goal if they hadn't have fouled the player. Well, but it's not in the same phase of play and that's subjective to the VAR official. So that was Mariner saying that Norwich still would have scored that goal even without the push on Tammy, which is just absolute bollocks. And the guy's answer, because then he said, well, Southampton are still giving me shit about that. And I've said to them, well, what do you want us to do? We could always take it back and start it in the car park before the game. And I'm just like, well, that's not even an argument. That's you being flippant and ridiculous and yeah. not accounting for the fact that this is going to cause problems all the way through the season. And the biggest one for me is I sat there and I said, are we going to have the same absolute wank with handball that we get in Europe. No, 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 no. We're trying to be as li- we're trying to be as uninvasive as possible. And with the Premier League, if everything goes to plan, you won't even know VAR is there. They, those were his exact words, and it's the complete opposite. It has become about VAR and not football. But, get but even it. the goal with um, even the, the Zuma goal, which I think was rightly corrected because he did have the ball in his hands and uh, and Giroud nudged him so you could in in slow motion you could argue okay yeah the goalkeeper's had the ball knocked out mm. of his hands and he was in control of it but even then um Atkinson doesn't make a decision he just wanders about he doesn't point to the center circle so nobody knows what's going on so he doesn't even say that he's speaking to VAR he looks completely out of his depth they have so been const- told to do exactly what they've always done, the referees, and they're not not—they're not supposed to be sitting there waiting for VAR, VAR to do their job for them. Well, he gave the goal, which case he should have run back to the centre circle, shouldn't he, apparently, if he'd given it. He just seemed to be confused. He is a poor, poor, past-it ref now, who seems yeah. to have apply the laws as he feels necessary, and is missing stuff. And as you say, if the linesman haven't got any any power at all, he, the, the one area that he could be helped is with the, the the assistant ref giving him a you know tipping him the nod that something was happening. But he just seems to wander about now. The one law that he did get right, I was very pleased about, was when the ball um, the ball hit him on the leg and went off, and he had to blow his whistle and have a have a drop ball because that's now the new law. And I like that. And he did it. But even then, he did it in a kind of slightly curmudgeonly way, as if he didn't really want to. And, and and you know the fact is, make any proper decisions. What you need is somebody in Stockley Park who comes in and says, "I'm sorry, I disagree with you." It's a, it's a, if the ref gives a kind of view of something, they're not going to alter it. They're going to go, "Oh no, okay, he was almost there." No, it needs somebody to say, as I thought was happening in the World Cup. Somebody says, um, "No, this is that you've got it wrong," and you just yeah. accept the fact. And there, 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 whoa, time out, time out before you both spontaneously combust. Uh, I think, you know, we've done 10 minutes. You just ranted for 10 minutes, both of you, which I think to me, uh, I didn't even have to join in. You were doing it all so wonderfully. And for me, that is the point. Um, what an absolute load of arse gravy VAR is. And it's ruining the game. There is no doubt. I have no doubt about that. Now, um, the reason I've stopped you is because we have a fantastic email uh, with a very interesting perspective on VAR uh, that you know the three of us cannot have. So I'm going to hold your fire there, and we will pick this up later in the show. Now, what I want to move it on to is uh, something that Jonathan, I think, has been itching to um, to launch into, and I don't blame him for one minute because even you know listening in the car as I was on the way down, being absolutely ecstatic about Chelsea scoring, only to be completely 
deflated minutes later when inevitably Norwich put one in the net. Bottom line is, is that um, we still have an issue defensively, which I suspect is still a vulnerability with the counter-attack. But uh, let, let's do that first. Um, Alex, I, you know, do you think... Um, I mean, you know, we can we can stick we can stick uh, or point fingers at Christensen and Zuma until the cows come home. And yes, you know, they are capable of individual errors. But if, for me, the defensive vulnerability starts in midfield, and I still think that we're 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 very vulnerable to the counter attack. Uh, and maybe the midfield need to be held accountable or are culpable as well. Absolutely, but I'm I'm not worried right now. As long as we get through this period, I'm not worried. Because once you have Rudiger, the problem with, and I've said this in the blog, the problem with Christensen and Zuma is that you always have two centre-backs and one of them is a leader. One of them's a John Terry and the other one is like submissive. That's how I see it anyway. There's always one that's dominant and neither of those are dominant. Zuma was more so against Norwich. So, you need, really you need, so basically what you're saying is in terms of central defence, you need a dom and a sub. You, yeah, well, you yeah, you need Rudiger to come in there and scream his head <laughs> Who off. Who gets to wear the gimp that. mask? Who gets to wear the gimp mask? It's going to be Christensen because he's bigger okay. than the other two. But right, and then in turn, when you have Rudiger back, Kante back fully fit, we will not be as frail as we've been at the back. And I think that's got to be measured with, we're, yes, it's great that we're pressing, we're pressing high, but we saw what happened when you press too high and get overexcited against United. We did very, very well against the Scouts when we were more measured about it. And we got the balance right that night. That's what we that needs. That's like our best performance so far. And that's the one we need to try and emulate. But it is going to be massively improved by other players coming back. I think that's an interesting point, actually, Jonathan, because I think it's actually very tempting to say, oh, oh we were really solid against a very good Liverpool side and we played 4-3-3, so our defence looked far more solid. But, um, you know, as we were learning last week, weren't we, from that wonderful uh, Lee uh, Scott who told us all about zonal marking, you know, you can have all the systems you bloody well want, but if you've got, you've got players who make mistakes and or, or, or who, you know are occasionally outdone by their opponent on the field, which happens, then these things happen. So, you know, maybe Alex has got a point. When when you've got when we've got a full strength team back, we'll have better players and it might you know, these errors might go away. Didn't uh, Conte play in the Liverpool game and then got twisted his ankle again. He was slightly unfit, but I think he, he, he did, did. Play, he yeah. did. He did. He did, yeah, I think he he's the cement completely for me. And I, I agree. I think that the top team is. So uh, is I've just got. A, I've got another gag here, Jonathan. So basically, when Kante's playing, you know, you, we used to always say, you know, got to get it in the mixer. But when Kante's playing, we say, put it in the cement mixer. God, Chid, you're on fire. <laughs> Can you say that with a little bit more sincerity? No comment. <laughs> I think that's probably the mo- the least sincere I've ever heard, Jonathan Kidd. In the- <laughs> In the, I don't know how many years I've known him now. Usually it was kind of, I'm going to do. I'm going to do an impersonation. I'm going to do an impersonation of that. Chidge, you're on fire tonight. No, that was too good, Chidge. That was, was good. That's that that not real. Okay, Chidge, you're on fire tonight. No, I can't do it. I can't do it as well as the original. It's, then there's the truth of it. So there you go. Anyway, Kante, mate. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's, 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 as the Leicester supporter next to me last week kept saying. He's the best midfielder in the world. He's the best midfielder in the world. Um, so all, uh, all two of him, indeed, he is. There were two, yeah, indeed, as we know. Yeah, there's a, he didn't mention the twins once, though. But um, but yeah, but I, it, it, he holds it all together, as I said. Yeah, it's, it's, it's cement. It, it, but it, it, and also, I'm, I'm not convinced. I'd say that Rudiger's going to get back instantly. I think uh, he tends to do this. Um, 
stick him on the bench and, and, and lobbing him in at half time or something or three quarters of the way through. So he may do that as with, with Kante as well. Because I think the few the, I think Kante's been playing injured, I think in the end you had to give yeah, in and just kind of rush him back, haven't yeah, we? Well, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna we're gonna talk about that in the next part. So let's park that one for a minute. <clears throat> Talking of Rudiger, I think that's a good point. Of course don't forget Tamori who uh, you know, like like Mason Mount, Frank will know very well. And let's not forget it wasn't Mason Mount who was Derby's player of the year last year. It was it was yeah. it was Tamori. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, we really so, think he's a he's a top <coughs> player. He will yeah. figure enormously. I'm convinced he'll figure. Yeah, at the moment he thinks obviously that, that Zuma and uh, and Christensen are a better bet, but um, we'll see. We'll see Tomori play. I think he, he's easing him in. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's. Um, I mean, we could, with, with all the other options we could have had, you know, Miazga scored for Reddit for was it Reading the other day? I think you know the the fact that he's chosen Tomori to be to be in the setup is really uh, yeah. revealing. I think it's a shame that. In a sense, they may have they may have, um, uh, have shot the uh, their bolts a bit by putting Ampadu out on loan. Yeah, I agree with that. They because... never would have if they'd known the crazy yeah. red fool was going to go to Arsenal to win trophies. Yeah. <laughs> How do you predict that? Oh well, man, isn't it joyous watching him screw it all up for Arsenal? Another age, another Chelsea agent like Czech. Fantastic. The, the what was so awful was the the um, the miss on Salah was exactly the same as he did to. Um, um, Son at, at Wembley when we lost to Spurs. Yeah. When he just he, rather than than waiting and just pushing the player out by you know by by going with them, he does this attempted interception. But can I just say that that I, I feel very sorry for Louise because uh, I, I created a, a fondness for him for having won the, the Champions League and his his occasionally brilliant performances. And I, I feel that he's just been a bit too clownish in this instance. I just by, think he's been by, a, a div, but I don't hate has. him for it. I'm not going to pillory the guy. I'll still applaud him when we there you go. Uh, ho- hopefully his autobiography will be entitled From a Spiv to a Div. Yeah, it ought to be. Well, you should yeah. you should write it for him. I will. I'll ghost it for him a bit like yeah. Pete, like, yeah. a bit like strikers ghost past him on the football pitch. Um, all right, uh, last part on this uh, particular part. Um, I gave it a bit of context uh, before the break, but um, you know, Jonathan uh, did a piece. Uh, I was going to like be really clever and clip it out and play this to you. Um, I, do you know what? I can I can actually find it because, of course, I don't have to do it completely live, and I can just wait. Uh, dig it up and then play it from my phone and then just by magic everybody will hear it and uh and then uh blah 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 if only i could find it just just hum hum amongst yourselves for a minute and uh jonathan can tell a joke or two and alex can give a a, le- a lecture on world war one battlefields and things like that and uh and then the time will will fritter away oh here we go i found it so there we go there's the reply <laughs> Right. Okay. Are you? Are you? I better put that one. Otherwise, it won't work. Turn the volume up. Let's see. Right. This is what Jonathan had to say on Love Sport Radio. Yeah, but there are lots of people saying, uh, "Nah, let the it doesn't matter." You know, just, you know, let the youth in. And you go, mm. "Yeah, but lots of the youth aren't very good." I find it difficult to say these things because everybody is, as I said, this this great wave of you know. Yeah, it doesn't matter if this season's dreadful. Uh, I think it does. Towards the end of the Leicester game, there were lots of rumblings of discontent. I thought, goodness, it's only you know we had the great Super Frank Lovin about. You know, three quarters of an hour ago, and now everybody's going, "Oh, what? What's going on?" But um, I, I think he's, he's on a bit of a hiding to nothing at the moment with the team. 
There you go. Um, it's repeating on itself a bit like my dinner. Um, the bottom line is, you know, I, it, it would have been very. I mean, I, I think I, I don't. I'm not sure. I'll ask him in a minute. But I, I didn't think I gave a particularly pissy reply. But it might have been taken like that. But I, I'm genuinely. I'm, I'll, I'll say it, say it as it is, Jonathan. I'm genuinely surprised because I've got to be honest, mate. I, I, I haven't really encountered anybody that I know or drink with or. You know, seeing around the stadium, who who's who, who has that view? Who is kind of like you know pissy if we don't win or pissy if we make mistakes? It's kind of like, well, we know he's had a tra- two transfer window. Bam, we've lost Eden Hazard. We've got a long, lot of young players. You know, it's going to take time. He's inexperienced. You know, he's basically getting getting a free ride. Certainly this year, uh, I think when he gets a transfer window, things might change because then then it'll be on his head. But I I really. I haven't heard that view. So is that is that genuinely true? And I mean, I know, I, you know, I, I didn't mean to make it sound as rude as it perhaps did. You know, I know you sit in the posh seats and everything, but that you're right. People, it doesn't matter where you sit, you've got a valid opinion in the game. And I know those people, and a lot of them have been going for years and years and years. So their opinion is as valid as anyone's. But do you think there is a, a divergence of opinion here? And if so, why? Yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah. I think, but I think it's the same with everybody coming in as yeah, we you know, give everybody, give him a go. Um, uh, he's got a he's got a season to get it right because he's only playing the youth. Um, there, I, I hope some of the youth are uh, lots of the youth go out on loan because they're not good enough. You know the the Chalabars of this world, despite having won um, masses with us in the youth, were deemed not good enough and sold for eight million. It wasn't that they were sold um, out of spite. They were sold because somebody in the club. Um, at probably Jody at a lower level at the time because he hadn't gone to Derby didn't think they were good enough. No, it's it's the business of of everybody is very good at championing a cause and saying yes we love Frank it'll be great but because the second half performance wasn't very good everybody then this is this is the less this is the Leicester game we should be yeah, precise yeah, sorry, yeah, I should yeah. say specifically I was asked about because it was pre Norwich and I did also say in that interview that I was. Um, I was I was very keen for them to do well. I'm not, you know, I'm not a um, a naysayer. I'm not. A, I'm not. Uh, well, the, imp- the impression the impression I got was that that this yeah. was not not you really. You were talking about the people who are around you. I yeah, would, ima- yeah, I would imagine you're including the Leicester fan that was sitting next to you. <laughs> Leicester fan, he but he was uh, over the moon because they were all over us. You know, they should have had five. And uh, if it weren't for the fact that Dave did a fantastic stop and so did, so did Zuma and, and um, Vardy was profligate, um, hitting wide and, and uh, Madison bl- blasted over the bar, um, I think there would have been uh, rumble, great rumbles of discontent. As it was, people were coming out and saying, oh, well, that's going to be a really difficult season, isn't it? Because they're not very good. So but isn't that isn't that a bit knee jerk? I mean, let, let's put this yeah, in context. Yeah, I mean, you you and I put this in context on last Monday's show. Yes, it wasn't brilliant. I grant you that we could have been absolutely rinsed. But number one, they just played 120 minutes in an unbelievably stultifying heat in Istanbul on the Wednesday. And secondly, they are playing a, a very high energy press. This is part of Frank's system which is exhausting to play when you're not used to it. And, of course, they are not really completely and utterly 100% match fit at the moment. So surely they were mitigating circumstances. So I, th- I thought that was quite knee-jerk from if, 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 you, if the people up there was, were, were basically, you know, not happy. Well, if the rumble of discontent is such that people are shouting out behind me, you know, oh, come on, what's the matter with you? 
in in the second half when it's is going. Oh wrong. well, yeah, but hang on a minute. That's a that's, that's a. Normal, I think. Well, exactly. And after, Jonathan, it's normal when you come in afterwards after the game and they're all going. God, it's going to be a long season, isn't it, if we play like that? But what you are dealing well, that's, with... Well, that's once different. Again, once again, you're dealing with a lot of people who want an instant want instant yeah. success. But do, this do is, you think... This is one Sorry, of the on. dilemmas of supporting an elite club. Is they, well, want, they want it to work immediately, despite knowing the history. And they think Frank is like a magic wand and he'll make everybody play wonderfully, which he probably will do, I think, if we give him time, because it's a new system. But it's this desire for everything to happen at once which we've got to get away from and i'm not convinced that the average punter the average supporter feels that way i think they want they want success they want us to beat the same players and be as good despite the transfer ban and despite the fact that uh, um he's having to uh, he's putting the youth in and thank goodness the youth are playing well but he's got it right we hope you know, it's three games in. Let's see what happens. If, Sheff- but you- if on Saturday they lose against Sheffield or something goes wrong, there'll be unbelievable rumbles of discontent. You know, yeah, but yeah but, this, yeah, but this is my point. I, I honestly don't think there will be. You're making it sound like you know, ninety percent of the supporters will be throwing their toys out of the pram and having a meltdown. Now, I'm not including social media in this at all. I'm talking about, about people who are at the matches, home and away. Um, and I, I haven't seen that where I've been sitting. Now, just to go back to your point a few minutes ago, I totally agree with you. You know, people moaning and making noises like that is, is, is at every game that happens. I mean, the number of times I've shouted at some player, called him an absolute twat and a wanker for being useless, and the next minute they've scored. You know, if I had a pound for every time I'd done that, I'd be a multimillionaire. I mean, on, on, against Leicester, I got up and shouted at William and called him a dozy prick. You know, so I get that. That's the passions of the game. I think I'm talking about, you know, the, the more knee-jerk reactions, which I find astonishing because... I, I know the people who sit where you sit, and they're intelligent people. They've watched football a long, 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 long time. I can't believe that they are swept up in in this basically a sense of entitlement that you're talking about. That they expect to win every game and they expect to win trophies every season. Plus, because we have for the last fifteen years, I would have thought that they would have a more what's the word? I don't know, considered view. I suppose. I don't know. I think it, it just it's it's there beneath the surface, Chich, yeah. of, uh, of so many supporters. Isn't that a bit worrying? Do you think? Well, perhaps it's sign of the times. They're not as informed as we are. Well, it, some it, of them are, mate. I mean, the people on your table, are, for example, but, are very smart cookies. Yeah, I mean, I've spoken to them. Others who others who want in, want constant success, and uh, regardless of of what's been explained to them, or perhaps they don't know what's been explained to them. Well, maybe or, so. Look, look, last question on this, because I, I actually think what you're talking about, which is that sense of entitlement, is is kind of, you know, you can't pin it down to one area of where people sit. You can't even pin it down. We'd love to pin it on, you know, the millennials and say, well, of course, they were, you know, they were five in, in 2005. So all they've known is success. So that's what they expect. I don't even think you can do that because there's plenty of people of my age and your age who, who are equally entitled. But um, do, do you think it makes a difference? Because, I mean, you know, to be really fair, a lot of people who sit where you sit pay an awful lot of money to watch Chelsea play. Now, I know it shouldn't make any difference, but if you're shelling out, you know, a lot of money and it's all also about the kind of the entertainment, I don't know, it just seems to me to be more entertainment when you're up there. You know, you, you have a nice meal and everything and then you watch the football and you expect something for that, you know, back for the amount of money you're shelling out. Do you think there's a bit of that going on, maybe? I'm convinced there's a bit of that going right, on. Right, OK. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
Amazing. There you go. So I told you we could have a, a considered polite debate about that, didn't I? Yes. Well, we did. I, I couldn't think of it being any other way. I know, but there you go. So uh, love, I still, we still love each other. This is this is why the fan cast works, you know. Um, well, I'm, I'm still, I don't know. I don't know what to say after that. I'm, I really am gobsmacked because I have to say, mate, if you you make it down to the cock on Saturday, um, I mean, when I went down, you know, because we talked about this last last show, and you know, I, I went down there before the Leicester match, and I haven't seen the pub and people around there buzzing like this since Roman turned up. I mean, everybody's happy and chilled out about it everybody was talking in the pub where i was saying you know we don't really care what happens this season we generally don't care as long as there's you know signs of improvement that, that things are going in the right direction the results are in a sense for once for once in our recent chelsea lifetime secondary you know so that was, that's that's absolutely gospel what i was hearing in the pub so i would de- defy it it's human nature that if the team starts carries on losing if, if a team does lose for whatever reason and is in the bottom three or four um which the way things are at the moment you could be in the bottom three or four but still be two points off second well exactly but, um, there is that isn't but there? if they if they are for a bit it, mark my words there'll be a lot of the people love to go to games and and and, and want to get rid of the manager it's, mm. it's it's part of the world we're in. They love mm. it. Some people I know in this where I sit, where who just you know, if if any opportunity to have a go at a player, and it and it's it carries on. It's not just for the game. You know, afterwards they're gonna they'll they'll start from the very beginning of the match. So you just go well. They they've clearly got something in for that player. So wow. uh, I just think it's in the na- it's in the nature of. I mean, as you say, it might be because a, a large amount of money is being paid, but I. I, I mean, I experienced. Well, maybe, maybe it's also a bit of kind of look at me ism, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, look yeah. at me. I can shout at players and be edgy, you know. Maybe there's a bit of that. I'm, I'm amazed. Do you know what? I think the only solution is we send DJ up as the halftime entertainment, you know, <laughs> because I mean he does it in the in the in the in the Matthew Harding lower mate. I mean, you know, if 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 people are slagging off players, DJ goes up to them and says. Get your boots out then. See if you can do any better. You don't know how hard it is, you know, and stuff like that. Very good impression. I've I've been following, you know, I've been working on that one for a long time. Um, But, but, you know, he he, and he he absolutely gets potty. He said, look, we're there to support the team. We're there to support the players, you know, and and there's a lot to be, uh, you know, I think he, you you all remember this when the, when the, when the fanzine had a wet, had its own website, Years and years ago, DJ actually had uh, the rules of being uh, a Chelsea fundamentalist. You know, about what you were supposed to do and how you was... It was absolute genius. Sadly, the, the website in that uh, uh, guise is uh, no longer there. Uh, but there we go. Anyway, we'll move on. I'm really glad we nailed that. Alex seemed to disappear then. Are you still with us, Alex? Or have you fallen asleep at me and Jonathan ranting on and on? No, I, just, I did actually meet a Chelsea fan the other day who doesn't sit in the park. And he said, no, nah, you shouldn't have the job. It's all wrong. And he didn't even say too soon. He said, it's not going to be a good enough manager. Well, I'm I mean, the reason... him off. Didn't want him to fail. No, no. He thinks that he, his opinion will be borne out over time. Well, I think, I think look, you know, there, there is an absolute cast-iron, unemotional reality to this. And, and that is, if it had not been for the fact that he'd done relatively okay at Derby, if it had not been for the fact that we'd, we have a two-window transfer ban, 
uh, and therefore couldn't spend any money on players. And if it had not been the fact that we'd lost our best player, all of these things conspired to mean that any of the kind of managers that we would normally hire, the Allegri's of this world, the next European elite manager off the block, none of them were interested in coming to Chelsea because, of course, what they want to do when they come to a club like Chelsea is get Raymond to put his hand in his pocket so they can spend 150, 250 million, which gives them a chance of making themselves look good by winning a title. That option was not available. So given that, I think, you know, that that's why Frank got the job. He was always going to say yes. And of course, you know, Roman Abramovich, he is not an idiot. He may be many things, but an idiot he is not. And after Sarri and the toxicity that we had all year last year, he knew if he hires Frank, everybody's going to get back on side. And that's exactly what happened. And it's very, very similar to getting rid of Benitez and putting Mourinho in, which is exactly why they hired yeah. Mourinho. So I can, I can understand why it was done. Do you know what? None of us know yet. Only time will tell. Do you and, know uh, what, though? What? That, that proves to me that is why I know Frank Lampard will not be fired this season. Because part of the reason he's hired him like you say, after the toxicness of Sarri, what do you think would happen if you fired Frank Lampard in November? I think there'd be a riot. I mean, I think that, you know, we we talked about this, you know, in pre-season, but I think Roman's done something really interesting here because he's actually now hired as a manager somebody who's arguably more popular than he is. And that will make it a very interesting decision when it comes uh, to him having to fire Frank, which inevitably he will, because all managerial positions tend to end in failure, uh, a bit like all podcasters' careers end in ignominy. Anyway, uh, before before that happens, we've got part three and four, and we're going to go to part three in a very uh, small portion of time, and we're going to look at uh, Chelsea's current injury crisis, uh, with Kante and Pedro struggling, Rudiger still not back, uh, along with hudson odoi Loftus cheek and James. So we're going to have a look at that. Plus, we're going to talk about the uh, Champions League draw, which is coming up this Friday, and we've got a few parish notices for you. Do not go away. Cheech. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. (laughs) It's all too much. (laughs) I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Ah, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. 
At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast. Um, I, just to give you an idea of how wonderful this bloody show is, I spoke to a, an eminent newspaper journalist today and... Uh, uh, and I, I, I don't know him that well, but, you know, I've, I've kind of worked with him circuitously. And anyway, so oh, what are you up to now? And I was just telling him what I was up to. And I said, oh, I've got to do the my, my, this podcast that I do on a Monday. So what's that then? I said, oh, it's a Chelsea fan. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. So, you know, this, this, this is a big thing. Anyway, enough of me blowing our own bloody trumpets. Uh, let's talk about Kante. Um, poor old N'Golo Kante uh, was not fit to play against Norwich. Uh and I, you know, I read what Frank said, and it, it did actually all sound quite sensible. But I think the reality is, is that I, I'm actually concerned about Kante because he's played non-stop for four years. Uh, he's won two titles, a Europa League and a World Cup in that time, and been instrumental in every side. He's been the heartbeat of every side who have who has won all of that. Um, and I and I worry about him. And I, 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 you know, it seems to me to be no coincidence that he's. He's picking up little niggly type of injuries at the moment. And I wonder if he's exhausted. And actually what he really, really, really needs, Jonathan, is a proper rest. I think he was... Well, you wonder whether, in fact, it was miraculously played in the Europa League final, didn't he? Yeah. Because they were saying that he was no chance that he'd play. And he played for the whole of the 90 minutes. And that I was say, brilliant. It didn't look his usual dynamic self. But nonetheless, his positional play was so exemplary that... Um, uh, he, he he played a very big role in in the win in the in the win. So um, I, I think he then I, I I can't remember what the degree of injury whether he then had surgery on it. Um, but to me it looks as if he's not recovered from that injury that he had at the time. Uh, and and he, he's probably very likely to say I I'm okay and then train quite well. In actual fact still isn't right because it's then you start picking up these other niggly injuries because you're not fit enough and you're not you haven't quite recovered from you know your body's out of balance recovered from the original injury because then he picked it up a twi- picked up a twisted ankle didn't he um uh which we, was then the reason why he didn't play uh at the weekend because uh, he'd had that before didn't i think he had that when he at the end of, of pre-season he had a um he had a uh, that was the reason he didn't play supposedly uh, in the opening game of the season, but um, uh, he was back for Liverpool and uh, and he played against Leicester. But um, I didn't get the impression in the second half that he was uh, he, he was at his best. But once again, as we said earlier, they'd been they were all puffing because they'd been um, they'd been playing against Liverpool in midweek for 120 minutes in the heat. So perhaps it was that. Perhaps he perhaps he overdid it because he'd been playing. Um, for that 120 minutes with an injury but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him start again on Sunday whether he's back to his best I'm, I'm not sure well as I said I, I, I do wonder Alex I think he needs a rest actually and I, I think he's too important to us to, to, to risk uh, getting a really long term injury I agree I think he does look I, 
I worry. We definitely tried to rush him back. Um, and I think we need to lay off him now and let him recover properly. Even to a player like that, if you have to say, look, take two, three weeks. I mean, the international break's coming up anyway. He definitely shouldn't be going anywhere with France. He should be staying and getting well. But if you added another week onto that to just give him some time, then I wouldn't have a problem with, with that. No, if he's well, back I mean, I... for Liverpool, that would be good. I agree. Well, I just kind of hope that with with a with a manager like Frank in charge, who who you know has been was playing up until fairly recently, he's a bit more understanding of of players' bodies and their injuries and their recovery rates. And 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 sometimes you do need to give them a rest. I mean, I mean Frank, I know, but a bit like Kante, actually, he he kind of played all the time. I mean, he had a miraculously injury-free career, but. Uh, You've got to look after these guys. They're very important. Um, Pedro, obviously, looks like he's uh, he's out for a couple of weeks having pulled a hammy. And again, you see, he, he's been played a lot recently and been playing with a little niggly injury. And this is what happens. But I think, the, 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 look, let's, let's not focus on the negative. Let's focus on the more positive. And the reality is, is that Rudiger, his return is imminent, or certainly after the international break. Uh, Hudson-Odoi is training again, although he's got to do more kind of strength work. Loftus-Cheek and James are not far behind. Um, what we're seeing, Jonathan, is we're beginning to see hopefully the return of some very, very important players for us already, and some potentially very important players for us in the future. And I'm, I think Hudson Odoi and James, really, particularly, I'm thinking of there. Yeah, and cheek, definitely. But I, I, I don't know where he's going to put them in. Suddenly, you have all these this this excellence. Um, because uh, uh, James, I'd love to see is is only having seen bits and pieces on YouTube from Wigan is is supposed to play brilliant 40 to 50 yard balls to the wing um, uh, much like Louise did but uh, um, 10 years younger of course um, and, and it's less likely to make a terrible error um, but uh, yeah I, 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 the if they're playing like this and it's not the best team look what's going to happen when they get the best team in um, yeah It'll be. It looks to me as if it'll be fantastic. I mean, I, I'd be intrigued to see who he chooses instead of uh, um, whether which one which one he drops between Zuma and Christensen, um, because uh, I think he's got faith in Zuma, who um, who has moments of excellence, but at moments where you're not quite convinced uh, that he's the he's the right player. But whether that's he's just a bit rusty, or he wants to Frank wants him to play in a certain way. Um, uh, and I don't see Christensen. I mean, Christensen had a very good header at the weekend, didn't he? When he got on the, at the end of a Zuma cross, bizarrely, which he hit straight at Krull. And it's the first time I'd seen him taking part in an attack because it seemed to come from nowhere. And I thought, well, they're obviously playing well together. So you just, there was, a, I was reading on the internet, somebody suggesting that Rudiger wouldn't get back in. Um, and I, I don't think that'll be the case because I think Rudiger is, uh, of the three, is the most experienced and the better player. Um, and also the more dynamic, he's got a lot more energy about him. We talk about not having leaders on the pitch, but and uh, whether he'll be one. Um, and I have to say a little word about Dave. I thought Dave was much better again. And the, the cross for Tammy's goal was brilliant um, because it's his big thing. is not crossing properly. And I keep, we've always said, why doesn't Dave practice his crosses more, for goodness sake? And he got into a very good space um, and didn't seem to have the same trouble chasing back. But... Uh, um, but once again, they still managed to score two goals on the break. So perhaps it's a, a it's a the team needs to cope with this whole process of dealing with the breakaway, um, with the counter attack. But um, no, I, I, I'm I, I would just intrigued to how they're going to slot in. You know, who would Reese 
who would Reese displace? Would it would it be um, Dave if Dave playing back to his best? No. Um, similarly, who will who will Loftus Cheek put out? And Loftus Cheek at his best um, gets into the side. So. Um, it's a very good position to be in for the for the team if they're playing as well as this. Well, exactly. That's what we want. We want competition for places, and I think that that's what it will give us. I mean, just on my own penneth worth on on Rudiger, I think Rudiger absolutely comes in, and I think he comes in for Zuma. I agree with you. Zuma can be you know great, but he's he's just too er- erratic and error prone at the moment. I think, and I think Christensen is more assured, and I think Christian does well when he's got a a more senior pro next to him. But then again, so does Zuma. It's a good position to be in, let's be honest, uh, whichever way uh, you spin it. Uh, talking of Reese uh, James, Alex, I mean, you know, if, if Liverpool can have uh, Trent Alex... Who's creaking? Is that is that Bertie farting, Alex, or, or Jonathan? Sorry, it's Bertie. It's Bertie with a balloon, isn't it? Faffing all the hinges on the door. But I see. It's my what? early warning system for when he's about to come. Brilliant. Um, yeah. Okay, you back? You back with us now? Reese James. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think you know he he can pressurise. Yeah. Uh, you know Aspie, uh, or if Emerson's not not doing it. You know that there, there are lots of options there. I mean, the interesting thing, Alex, is that Davide Zabacosta has gone to Roma on loan. What I find unbelievable to kind of get my head round is the fact that he's, you know, extended his contract before he's gone. Why on earth would he do that? Why not just bloody get rid of him if you don't think he's good enough? Doesn't that put his price up? It puts his price up. It means that when they sell him, they can say he's got the contract. No, he's under contract. They'll get another 10 million for him. Mm. True enough. Um, all right, listen, just to move this on a tad. Uh, we had this uh, kind of training day at Stamford Bridge last week, which I didn't go to because I was up at Headingley as it happened. But uh, I thought one of the really nice things, Alex, that, that came out of that was the way that Frank uh, you know, did an interview with Lee and acknowledged the local fans and, and uh, reminded them how important they are. And I thought that was a really... Uh, nice touch, but also was was more evidence of how in tune Frank is with the fans. Good to see, yeah. And also, I think it's more evidence of the fact that that bitch we had at the first fans forum about the lack of communication and the lack of interaction between the club and the players and the fans was widening. The club has really, really responded to that. They put back the signings in the megastore. They've put back the training days. They've opened up the the meet and greet. That that was one of the complaints was that you had to be, you could only go there if you were a little kid and more people wanted the opportunity. They've uh, really tried hard with the megastore and, and they have actually done like a lot of little things like, you know, the kid meeting Hazard with me the, from the domestic violence situation. I think as well as Frank coming in and Frank gets it, the club mm-hmm. has, to give them credit, the club has really responded to that complaint from last year. There you go. See, Alex, for those of you who don't know, uh, is currently the Chelsea Fancast Fans Forum representative. So she goes and meets with the club uh, at their official Fans Forum three times a year. So if you ever want anything raised, you know, that's pissing you off as a supporter, then just uh, get in touch with Alex. Probably easiest on Twitter, Alex, isn't it? At yeah, CFC. and the next meeting, I think I have to, I've got till September the 5th to get your complaints on the agenda or comments on the agenda um, for yeah. a meeting on the 11th of September. So 
shout if you want anything. That's my wedding anniversary, so it's a good job I'm not the fans forum rep for the Chelsea fancast. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, the best way to get hold of Alex is at CFCGWLB on Twitter, I think. Or or just email me, uh, ChelseaFancast at gmail.com, and I'll, I'll forward it to Alex. So there you go. Uh, right, now, um, exciting times. Uh with all this kind of massive excitement about Frank Lampard being back and a bit of a new era, new dawn, new stuff going on at Chelsea, it was almost easy to forget that actually the most exciting thing about this season is the fact that we're back in the Champions League, which we love. I know, it's fantastic. Uh, a competition that we've got very, very used to being in uh, over the last uh, 20 years and uh, long may that continue because it is brilliant i love it now just to, so we've got the draw on friday so basically it's the draw for the group stages so uh we will be you know in a group of four teams amazingly enough um we are in pot one and we're in pot one because uh not not because we're champions of england uh but uh because we won the europa league and if you win the europa league or the champions league you immediately go into pot one I'm going to read you out who is in all the pots. And by the time I've finished, you won't have a pot to piss in, I promise you. Anyway, pot one. Uh, Liverpool, boo, Chelsea, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Paris Saint-Germain, Manchester City, Juventus, Zenit, St. Petersburg. We will not be playing any one of those teams. In pot two, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, Borussia Dortmund, Napoli, Shakhtar, Donetsk, Tottenham, Benfica, Ajax, if they beat Apoel Nicosia in the playoff round. If not, then Lyon will move up from pot three. We will not be playing Tottenham, I believe, in that uh, group, but we might have any one of the others. We don't play Tottenham because, of course, we can't play them uh, until you get to the quarterfinals. Pot three, Lyon, Leverkusen, Red Bull, Salzburg, Olympiacos or Krasnodar, Club Bruges, or if they beat, uh, that's if they beat LASK, Valencia, Inter Milan, Dinamo, Zagreb, if they beat Rosenberg. And pot four... Uh, Locomotive Moscow, Young Boys or Red Star Belgrade, Genk, Galatasaray, RB, Leipzig, Slavia Prague or CFR Cluj, uh, Atlanta or Atalanta, should I say, and Lille. So it's a very interesting uh, draw. I'm going to ask you first, Jonathan, who would you like uh, out of pot two, three and four? Um, uh, the easiest and the nearest. Right. So, who so would, who's that? Who would that be? Well, I think if you look at, um, I mean, I would say Shakhtar probably. Uh, Shakhtar would be the easiest in pot two, but, but they're the furthest because they're, they're in the they're Ukraine. They're in Don- Donetsk. They're in uh, Ukraine, aren't they? Uh, well, in that case, probably um, anybody from, I, I, from Ireland. No, no. They're all quite tough. I mean, what about you, Alex? Pot, pot two. Who do you fancy out of that? I would like to go on holiday to Napoli, Salzburg and Istanbul, please. So you want you want <laughs> Napoli, Napoli, Salzburg and Galatasaray. Yes, please. Leon, okay, well that's, Leon would be nice. Leon. You like Leon? Yeah, okay. But, well, um, Salzburg more, I think. I just the, the, I'd like to go to Madrid obviously, but I don't want to play either of them in the group stages. So uh, or Benfica maybe. Benfica mm. or Napoli, because I have been in Naples before, but Salzburg and Istanbul, definitely, please. From a purely okay. selfish point of view. Okay, well, I would say um, I would be very happy to get Real Madrid in the group stages, much more so than to get them in the later stages. Of course, the delight of having Eden Hazard back and the delight of seeing Tammy Abraham put uh, put a goal or two through big-nosed snake's legs would oh, be it hilarious. Oh, would be nice, wouldn't it? Poor yeah, Pontoise. So 
Yeah, I mean, I, I would fancy, I'd love to have Real, and I've never seen us play Real Madrid, so because uh, I wasn't at the Super Cup in '99, uh, I definitely wasn't in uh, Athens in '71, and I don't know if we played them much uh, apart from that. Anyway, so yeah, for me, Real Madrid, I'd love that. Uh, Atletico, no, they can get to fuck as they say in Glasgow. Uh, Borussia Dortmund, Germany, well, yeah, that'd be all right. I'd, I'd stomach that. Napoli, no way, absolute shithole. Shakhtar Donetsk, Ukraine, far too far, although people say it's a great place to go. Benfica, good trip. Good trip. Portugal, yeah, like about that. Can, can Ajax, we Juventus Ajax were, in this round? Juventus in this, a pot we can Mate, play. they're in pot one. We can't play anybody in pot oh, one. They're in our pot, are they? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ajax, I would like as well, actually. That would be, I mean, that, they would be tough, but I mean, you know, I'd like to see them play. I doubt if they'll be as good as they were last year, of course, when they were, you know, then they should have probably got to the uh, the old Champions League final. But, uh, yeah, great old team. That, that'd be lovely. I mean, this is the point of the Champions League, to play great old teams. And Ajax, in my youth, were one of the best. Oh, but they're uh, psychos, though. I mean, they came down to kick the living shit out of us when they weren't even playing in the Europa League final. Yeah, well, you know, you, you, know, you can avoid that if you try hard enough. Anyway, pot three, Leon, good shout, always like a trip to France. Leverkusen, a bit dull. Salzburg, we went there in the summer, so that we're odds on to get them again. Uh, Olympiakos, interesting, but we went to Greece last year. Krasnodar, where's that, JK? It's in... Um... It's in. Um, I can't hear it if you both talk at the same time. It's in. Jonathan. It's in. Okay, can I have a translation, Alex? In the middle of nowhere in Russia. No thanks. Okay, that'll do. Yeah. Belarus. Club. Belarus. All oh, right, okay. Yeah, Bel- uh, Belarus. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Club Brew, we played them recently. Valencia, we played them fairly recently. Inter Milan, we played them fairly recently. Isn't that Conte's team? Yes. Okay, that's okay. Dinamo Zagreb, that would be interesting. That would be a good weekend away. That would be very interesting. Uh, Pop four, Locomotive Moscow, no. Uh, young Boys, I thought I thought uh, Young Boys, proper name was Young Boys Wanked Off or something like that. That's always a kind of a giggle team. Kids, how could No, no, that's what they called Wanked Off. That's, look it up, mate. Anyway, Young Boys. Red Star Belgrade would be amazing, but you might not come back alive. No. Uh, but it would be amazing. Genk we've played recently. Galatasaray. Um, well, memories of the 5-0. Welcome to hell. That would be a pretty hard place to go to. Don't, don't really fancy that as a pot four opponent. Leipzig. We played them, didn't we, recently? Don't want them again. Uh, Slavia Prague played them, obviously, uh, recently. But that's a good trip. Cluj was a great trip. A uh, bit, bit weird and esoteric in Romania. Atalanta. I'd, I'd be up for that. Uh, not played them in my memory. Lille might be a giggle. So some interesting ones in pot four. I think this is what we're going to get, actually, because, you know, the fates conspire thusly, do they not? Uh, Real Madrid, I think we're, we're almost certain to probably get them. Or Napoli, because of the connections therein. Um, I think in pot three, we'll probably get uh, Salzburg, because we played them recently. Or Inter Milan, because Conte manages them. In pot four, uh, I think we will probably get either Leipzig or Prague because we played them recently. And that's kind of always how it goes. So there you go. I think bottom line is, chaps, how, how do you feel about the Champions League this year, JK? I think we'll do very well in it. I think we'll surprise a lot of people. Um, particularly if we've got the best team out. I think if we can get through the group stage, and bizarrely, if... Uh, the transfer ban is lifted for January, which is there's a lot of rumour around that it would would be. Um, 
Uh, and we then bought a striker if they felt that they didn't, that Tammy wasn't what, what he wanted him to be, or they bought somebody, you might find them in a position of great strength in the Champions League. If they're playing very well, um, I think we'll do okay, personally. But it's just getting through the group stage first. And then uh, I, 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 I prophesied we'd get to the semi-final, actually. Wow. Okay. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really up for it with the team. If he can get the team playing well, you know, it's a, it's, it's this thing of, of having, having faith in what he's got doing, despite. But it, you know, the fates might be that it, it, it doesn't work out. But I, the, the way the team is set up and what he's trying to do, um, they're good enough players, lots of them, to make it work. You know, you mustn't, you mustn't ever. Um, uh, uh, put them down in any way about their ability to win trophies. It's a very good trophy-winning um, mentality we've got in the side. So I think mm. I think they'll do okay. And once again, I think the draw needs to be beneficial. But yeah, I think if Madrid was in the in the draw, and we kept we finished um, when we were second, and, uh, and then didn't have a great, you know, we had the luck of the draw, had a couple of pretty average teams to play against. I think we might then raise our game for the quarterfinals. I've been intrigued. Yeah. Of course, the the worst possible draw would probably be Shakhtar Donetsk, uh, Krasnodar, and uh, Lokomotiv Moscow. That would probably that that so we'll probably get that. But Alex, are you feel are you feeling okay? I mean, how are you feeling about the Champions League? Are you, are you as, as positive as uh, JK is? Uh, maybe not that positive, but I do think that um, we be geared up mentality wise with. Frankie and Charles to have a good cup run because the obviously the league is going to be beyond us this season and um, we just need to do a good showing in that so really our chance of glory this season is going to be cup runs and I think uh, I think we'll respond very well to that we might surprise a few people well that's I think on Friday morning so watch out for that I always love the Champions League draw that this particular one it's it's exciting and then you can all if for those of you who go away to Europe and of course there are many of you uh, although the club, of course, make it bloody impossible for you now by uh, making you have to pick up your ticket, which is all complete nonsense and very irritating. But uh, uh, a lot of people I know go to Europe and ways, and it is, it is possibly the best experience of following Chelsea, it has to be said. Right, uh, we've got a few parish notices for you to uh, listen to and plug your ear holes back from. Uh, running for Jacob Rice. Now, there we go. There's a family who will be doing a lot of European trips, particularly Kenny. Nice guy, Kenny, on Twitter, for those of you who know him. Uh, it says, hello, Chelsea Fancast, myself and a few Chelsea regulars, including a QPR fan. I don't think he's a Chelsea regular, but there you go. They're running the Great North Run in September the 8th in memory of Jacob Rice, who tragically lost his battle with leukaemia in April 2018, age just two. They're fundraising for Leukaemia UK and would appreciate any help raising their total. Uh, and if you want to find how to donate, and I urge you so to do, go to uk.virginmoneygiving.com and pump in Jacob's joggers, and you will find where they are. Uh, now, uh, that's from Rob Thompson, and the runners are Julio, who we know and love very, very well, Alfie, Kenny Rice, nice guy Kenny on Twitter, Adam M, and himself, that is Rob. Right, uh, Canners has got another Legends do, uh, a legend, Black and Blue Legends Christmas party. Following on from Black History Month, the Paul Cannaville Foundation proudly presents Black and Blue Legends Christmas Party, a night celebrating past, present and future black players at Chelsea FC. Uh, there'll be a Q&A session with a high-profile Chelsea panel of players and celebrities. Um, and I've lost my thread. There we go. Socialising all night and partying till late. Tickets are complimentary. Uh, and they'll be dancing to ska, reggae, R&B, raffle, silent auction and cash bar. It's Monday the 2nd of December. 
uh, half six to one o'clock in Under the Bridge. The tickets go, I presume, up for ballot on in September. I'll keep posting about that. Right, could somebody, can you mute your mic, JK? Because I'm getting all sorts of feedback in my ears, in my, in my luggles. Uh, right, Patreon. Don't forget, uh, this is the little Patreon thing we have where we, uh, um, you know, don't beg. Um, it's totally voluntary. But if you want to support what we do, if you like what we do, uh, then you can kind of become one of our hardcore supporters, really. Uh, and that's a Chelsea Fancast patron. And uh, that means you donate a, a small amount, and I mean a small amount of money, every month. I always say the fanzine's a pound each each uh, issue. You know, if you did a dollar per show, maybe $5 a month, that's about the average. But honestly, there is no pressure. You don't have to do it at all. I, I love you all the same, whether you do or don't. But if you do, uh, then it really helps, and I appreciate it. But also, you know, we have a little bit of a club on there. bit bit like kind of Mixler, without the live kind of chat element. So you can get in touch with me, you can send me a message, and I can get back to you if I have time. I was a bit drunk and busy last week. But, uh, you know, it's a good way to get hold of us. You can send your messages in to be read out on the show, that kind of thing, or just chat or contribute or what have you. Um, also, as you probably know, there are little mini Kerry Dixon banners that I will be giving to the first 50-odd uh, members of Patron Patreon when they arrive. And they are, they are arriving imminently i mean like within weeks so as soon as that happens i'll start getting them out to those who want them um and by the way i mean here's a lovely message i got from a new patreon i hope he doesn't mind me shouting him out but it's jack le chien or jack the dog if you want to be literal i don't i mean no offense jack but jack le chien who says thanks guys best chelsea podcast out there no competition very kind of you to say so Right, Chelsea Supporters Trust, join the Trust, get your voice heard by the club, it's free to join up to be a member, but if you want a badge, lovely shiny badge, and if you want to be able to vote and attend meetings, then it's £5 per year, you can sign up at ChelseaSupportersTrust.com, and that's very, very easy, and then you get a vote, you can get your voice heard, very, very simple, and you can follow them on Twitter, at Chelsea S Trust, and uh, the CPO, the Chelsea Pitch Owners, if you want to own a little bit of Chelsea and protect the future of the club, go and buy a share in the CPO. They own the freehold of Stamford Bridge and their aim is to ensure that Chelsea will always play football at Stamford Bridge. Uh, to find out how to buy a share, email info at chelseapitchowners.com uh, or check out chelseafc.com forward slash fans forward slash Chelsea hyphen pitch hyphen owners and follow them on Twitter at pitch owners now uh in part four coming up we've got some superb emails to read out and i mean it's a massively brilliant crop this week from chain on zonal marking john on var yarin on chelsea's women's trip to israel paul's delight in how chelsea are progressing and brendan's tales from oz do not go anywhere Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea Footballfancast.com. Right, welcome back to Chelsea Fancast here. Your uncle Stamford Chidge. Uh, we're on the home straight. I've got uh, lovely Jonathan Kidd with me. We've also got the wonderful Alex, the delightful Alex, the girl who liked Bulls Churchill. And Alex, I very rudely forgot to, um, I forgot to uh, allow you to also plug your own Patreon page because you've got one too, haven't you? I do. Everybody's yeah, got I one. Keep forgetting I've got one, but um, you get the privilege of coming drinking with me if you're at Stanford Bridge. That's all I have to offer. 
You know, Alex, Alex offers, Alex offers, you see, unlike us, I think maybe we should do this. Alex offers, it's a bit like rock stars, you know, who are doing this as well on things like Pledge before it all went pear-shaped. You know, they would have a gig and, and you would have various VIP levels. And one of them is you get to go and get, you know, you get to go and get drunk with them after the gig. That's a bit like Alex. Alex is offering, you know, if you pay a thousand pounds to be her, one of her patrons, you, you can, you know, go out on an evening with her and drink as much gin until it comes out of your eyes. Am I right, Alex? Yep. Yeah, that's what I thought. Good stuff. Uh, Jonathan will be having a Patreon page too. Uh, that means he, you know, if, if you sign up to Jonathan's Patreon page, he will uh, do a personal video of him singing a strange song. Am I right, Jonathan? Yeah, any strange song you want. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, yeah. there you go. He does requests, by the way. So N- there you go. Naked, by the way. Naked, yes. Yeah. Well, his, the guitar will be covering the important bit, I No, believe. no, no, completely naked. Or maybe a banjo. I don't know who's to say. Um, anyway, uh, moving swiftly along whilst I try and remove that, un- that that image from my head. Of course, once you've seen it, you can't unsee it. Or once you've said it, you can't unsay it. I'm not too sure which. Jonathan, we've got some astonishing emails this week. I'm looking forward to them. Are you starting or I? Oh, it's the one that says JK, email one. That'd be you. Chain <laughs> Miller. Hello, Chidgen Co. I thought that was really cool you had Lee Leon to get into the pros and cons of man marking versus zonal marking on corners. I also came away incredibly frustrated by that conversation that you and others are still possibly coming away from that discussion, thinking that N'Golo next to Virgil van Dijk is somehow a knock on the zonal system. By the way, I hate the zonal marking system for other reasons at the end of this note, but I'd like people to hate it for the right reasons. Let me try to explain, and please forgive me if you already know all of this, and I just had a limited scope of the conversation via the podcast episode. Once you decide to put your best aerial defenders near the six-yard box, note the better the goalkeeper is aerially, you can actually place this zone another yard or two further out, with the aim of defending between near the goal line, brackets, minus three yards from the six-yard box, uh, close brackets to the penalty spot, open brackets, plus three yards from the six-yard box, close brackets. Let's call this highly protected area the zone with a capital Z. You are implicitly allowing the opposing team to get a free header from outside this zone if they choose to. That is part of the bargain. You're saying we freely allow your best aerial threats to head the ball from outside our strongly protected zone. Now, you can disagree with that bargain, but it's a trade-off and not entirely ridiculous on the face of it. If you look at it statistically, the number of headers on corners scored from outside this zone. So why bother putting N'Golo on Virgil? When we said we were happy for you to head the ball from outside this zone, we certainly will not let you volley it. Do not trust N'Golo to beat Virgil to a ball at his feet, or at least at N'Golo's head height or lower. I sure as hell do. Sorry, do you, that should be. Do you trust N'Golo to beat Virgil to a ball at his feet, or at least at N'Golo's head height or lower? I sure as hell do. Do you also trust N'Golo to at least bother Virgil's path towards the zone enough that it will provide our protectors of the zone with enough advantage than him just running straight at them? I sure do. So that's the point. N'Golo is never trying to prevent Virgil van Dijk from winning a header. So it's completely irrelevant to discuss the difference in their heights. And frankly, it's pretty damn good strategy if everything works the way you are thinking about it. In fact, in three matches, by my count, we've matched our opponents 16 corners apiece 
and let in one goal and scored none. If you look up the stats on corners to goals, this is not crazy. And if we let in one goal in our next 16 corners, the larger sample size, we suggest this is even less crazy. Of course, one way to mitigate this is to prevent corners in the first place. Ahem. High press. Ahem. <clears throat> He's put cough here. I've gone ahem. I think ahem. the best thing to do to avoid the Ndidi type goal comes at 100% down to the spacing between our two centre-backs. All of them dissent in the air. Our, our left back, both are better than Aspi, for example, and our centre forward at that post, like Drogba-like. Drogba-like. This will take time. But also, we should pause here to mention that the club allowed David Lewis to leave the starting eleven, and for all his faults, maybe he could have helped us sort this out a bit better than the others. I don't really believe that he would be the difference, but it's worth considering how big a mistake that was while we're talking about leadership. If you're still reading, or even doing it, I am. I'd like to just quickly add why I still think, in spite of all my above defences, zonal marking has a gaping flaw. Remember that scramble in the box against Liverpool where Kepa saved it onto the bar and then Tammy laid himself out on the near post and saved us? Well, what Liverpool did there was exactly what teams will do once we maximise our protection of the zone. Ping a ball onto the far post, outer corner area of the zone. Have players there to take it down or even get a free header to knock it back into the box. Now you have just one, just complete chaos in the box. You're now allowing teams by doing this with minimal skill on the initial corner kick and initial knockdown to completely reduce your defensive tactic to luck. It's awful. This is prevented in the man-marking scenario by one, not allowing the free knockdown, and two, each player still responsible for their mark, even after the initial knockdown. So, theoretically, of course, it's all still accounted for. I'm not sorry that this email was so long because it's all a bit technical and you started it. But seriously, I was just a bit frustrated that some listeners might come away with the wrong idea about that hybrid system theory and just needed to get that out to you. I am sorry if this was totally pointless. I just wasted five minutes of your life. Best chain. I don't think it's wasted chain. I, I'm, I'm, I like the idea of it. It's nice to have it explained that uh, uh, it's not about the headers. I suppose they feel they can deal with the headers, except can they? Um, I, mean, I think one of the problems with Louise uh, was that he wasn't actually getting to the ball in the pre-season at all, but I don't think he was making much effort in the pre-season. Because if you remember, one of the girls scored, the ball just lobbed over and there was nobody there at the far post. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I have to say I'm still... Um, I've always preferred man-to-man -man marking and, and I've never quite worked out what zonal was. But uh, um, they all seem to be... You get down to the Kerry Dixon view of watching it. It's all down to the players in the end. If the players good enough, they get on. Well, the that, end that, of the that's ball. kind of what yeah, it's kind of what Lee was saying, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, uh, I can see. I, I mean, actually, after that interview with him, which was brilliant, we will do more of that. Actually, Lee is a cracking bloke. Um, but you know, I, I could understand more why zonal marking wasn't as completely bonkers as I always thought it was. But I, I think the point that was the point he made. Doesn't matter whether it's zonal marking, man for man marking, or a hybrid between the two. You know, if the players don't do their jobs properly, or they get beaten on a, you know, beaten by a better player on in that moment, then it it, it looks stupid. And I think it, it ultimately carries right. It's all about players. But well done, Chen. Because I have to. Do you know what, Chen? I read that thinking. 
God Almighty, you know far more about football than I ever will. And consider, I mean, I mean this not rudely in any way, shape, or form. But you know, considering you're an American, I was impressed. And the, and the reason I, what I mean by that is that you know, Jonathan and me and Alex, you know, when you when you're born in England, you you grow up with football. It's ingrained in you, so you're supposed to bloody know about it. But my God, you put me to shame with that email. So fair play to you, mate. And I hope you're well. And we will be seeing Chain, Jonathan. He's coming over. Uh, this autumn for a match, so uh, I can't wait to meet him. Good, I'll do my best to get to the to the cock. They all ask after you, you know. When we all went to we went to the cock in, at Leicester, uh, they were oh, where's J.K. Where's J.K. And I said he's, he's he's you know he doesn't come come and meet the ordinary people. He might throw <laughs> us a few bits of cake now and again, but you know you'll be you know, cake. Ha! I'm. He reminds he reminds me of that wonderful scene uh, with Dennis Hopper in Apocalypse Now. When uh, when Marlon Brando, Colonel Kurtz has gone do lally, and they they meet Hopper, who plays his photographer. Nobody gets to see the man, you know. No, nobody gets to see the man. It's a bit like that's what J.K. is like. He's like a Chelsea fan cast version of Colonel Kurtz. The horror, the horror. Anyway, shake my head, Chidge. Yeah, and put, put drip water on it, mate, yeah, for yeah. full effect. And yeah. cover my face in oil. Indeed. All right. Okay. Moving swiftly along before Jonathan and I go completely off the deep end and go completely mad. Uh, and Alex decides she's had enough and shuts down her connection. This is an absolute cracker of an email. And it's from John Marshall. And he's from Florida. Uh, and he says, Hello, mates. I write this uh, as talk of the early season is being dominated by VAR, as, or as I refer, visually altered reality. Coming from someone who resides in the States, I feel like Paul Revere warning, the replays are coming, the replays are coming. Uh, Growing up, I played, coached and consumed everything regarding American football. I'm sure very similar to your love of English football. I will tell you that the passion I once had is now sadly gone. An instant replay, or in this case VAR, was a driving force. Sport is about imperfection, so when the perfect does happen, it's memorable. In an effort to achieve perfection, the human element is lost by something that can't detect intent or speed of game. There are many reasons I've fallen in love with Chelsea and English football, and one of the main reasons is speed of play and few stoppages. My fear is once the toothpaste is out of the tube, it's impossible to put back. Where does it stop, and what aspect of the game is next? Take it from a place where every sport now is dominated by replay and countless stoppage. Heed my warning before it's too late. The American way of viewing is coming. It's your turn to fight back. All the best, John. Uh, He is absolutely 100 million percent right with that. And the fundamental reason why we have VAR is because the game of football that we all grew up with and love has become a television game for people who watch it on television. And the reason for that is that the broadcasters are funding the game hook, line and sinker and call the shots. And until that state of affairs stops the game will become a TV-only game. If they, they have the technology now, I'm amazed they've never done it yet because I used to work in, in television, as you know. I'm amazed they don't just kind of in... in They can do this actually in real time now, you know, put in... Uh, have empty stadiums and just put the fans in with CGI and create the noise which they want to create the atmosphere. They don't need us. We're an annoyance and an encumbrance. And, you know, they'll make... It's, it's a TV game and, and it's shit because of it, frankly. Uh, Alex, do you have anything controversial to say on that? Uh, keep the goal line technology and fuck the rest of it off before I set myself on fire. Will you do that as a public protest? Yeah. Definitely. Okay. It I, may I just would be hate like to... burning my nail with a lighter, but 
Okay. Burn somebody else because I like you. I'd hate to lose okay. you. All right. Uh, brilliant stuff. Uh, great email, John. Thanks for clarifying that. And uh, now we have, I feel like a drum roll coming on. Uh, I'm, I just don't have the energy because I'm too hot. But uh, Yaren, consider yourself drum rolled for the email of the week, Jonathan. <laughs> Aaron Levy. Hi everyone, it's been a while since I last sent an email to the fancast and following the visit of the Chelsea women's team to Israel, thought it a good time to write. <coughs> we had an unforgettable few days with the visit of the Chelsea women to our sunny country. When it was announced the team was coming, we reached out to as many of the local supporters as we could in order to bring as many as possible to the game. First, we used a local supporters club Facebook page, which has more than 8,000 likes and began posting as much information as we could about each of the players so that everyone would have some knowledge of the Chelsea women as they have about the Chelsea men. It was fun and educational for me to write because I learned a good deal of interesting things about our amazing women's team and all connected to it. We were advised by Chelsea we would be allowed to bring local Chelsea supporters to watch Chelsea's open training session and to get autographs and photographs with the Chelsea players. The timing of the training session was not ideal, complicated by the fact the session was organised to start 30 minutes after the start kickoff of Super Frankie Lampard's first home game as manager. However, we still brought around 50 or so people to the training session. It was brilliant and a real treat to see the Israeli under-17 and 19 players having a kick around with the Chelsea players before training, all with a big smile on their faces. The, Chelsea's women's, the Chelsea women's team were incredibly friendly and patient with the fans. It was lovely to be able to speak to and welcome them here. I had a good chat with Fran Kirby and asked her to record a video for a young girl who was unable to make it to the training session, which she did brilliantly. We were given five tickets to an event which took place on match day at the Paris Centre for Peace in Tel Aviv. Chairman Bruce Buck and coach Emma Hayes were there alongside... Uh, Kemi Peres, son of former president Shimon Peres, as well as several representatives from the Israeli F FA. Avram Grant was supposed to be there, but was a no-show. And Roman Abramovich, who I thought might be there, was unfortunately not present. I was there with several members of the supporters club, including a young woman who plays in the Israeli second division. As well as being a kindergarten teacher, she also manages a girls under eights team. Chelsea sent coaches from the Chelsea Foundation to work with her girls, which was an incredible thrill for everyone. Respect to Chelsea for the work that they do behind the scenes, well, almost all of which is never publicised. It was also good to have a few words with Chairman Bruce Buck and to tell him about our supporters club. He asked me some questions. I told him that we as the Israeli supporters club would like to be more involved in the Say No to Antisemitism campaign. I'll let you know if and when there is any more news regarding this. It was good to see video clips of the Chelsea players strolling around the historic and atmospheric streets of Jerusalem and for them to experience this historical and unique city, as well as meeting up with Roman Abramovich, who has done so much to help the development of women's football in Israel. With kickoff time a few a couple of hours away, I headed to the stadium when I received a text from longtime listener to the fan cast, Jonathan Perez, who I know. Unfortunately, Jonathan was several degrees under the weather and I'm unable to attend any of these events, but used some of his connections to get me access to the pre-match VIP reception and to watch the game in the VIP area. At this point, I had to change out of my casual wear and Chelsea shirt and dress in the smarter clothes. But I made it to the ground, was given access to the VIP area, saw our beloved leader Roman Abramovich, although was unable to get close to him, and then saw and chatted to ex-Chelsea player Yossi Benayoun, who once the game started, sat with Mr Abramovich. 
the game was played in hot and humid conditions, with Chelsea dominating possession. But in a game with little tempo, Chelsea struggled to break down the home defence, although eventually won the game 3-1 with a couple of quality goals. Although not a full house, there was a good-sized crowd of 8,534 and a record attendance for a women's game in Israel. A few words about the men's team. I expect it to be a fascinating but also a very tough season. I just hope we somehow manage to get a top-four finish. But most importantly, would love to see two or three of our academy players breaking into the first team. Until next time, keep it blue, keep it carefree, keep it Chelsea. Regards, Yaren Levy. Lovely male, lovely male. Lovely bloke too, Yaren. You, you've met Yaren. Yeah. And of course, uh, John, Jonathan Perez, who I absolutely adore. Well, I used to sit next uh, to in the East End. You upper. did. And his lovely sister, remember? Yes. You know, fantastic. And I, I kind of, we saw them in the pub very briefly last season. I hope yeah. we see Jonathan yeah. again soon. And I hope we see you again soon as well, uh, Yaren, because uh, it's been a, been a while since we saw you. What an amazing experience. I, that, I'm, this hit the, I'm glad he put that in, actually, because... Uh, he, um, uh, because, you know, there was some news, wasn't there, about Abramovich being with, a, with the women's team uh, out there. So fantastic to get a real first-hand account of it uh, from, from Yarin, Jonathan. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant stuff. It was a shame it was on at the same time as the game, though. What a, that was a, a that was an unfortunate piece of, uh, of organisation, but uh, there you go. Indeed. Uh, there we go. Alex, I just wanted to say hello. Hello. Just make sure you're still alive. And uh, yeah, I, yeah, it's great. It's great. You know, I'm not a women's football fan, but that was a really great event. I'm glad it went yeah. well. Good the club, uh, you know, they do some good. Actually, I think the other point I take out of that, Alex, and of course you've had a bit of a experience of that, is because, you know, I, I do like to give them a kicking when they deserve it, but uh, they do a lot of good works. And actually they never, I've, I've moaned at them for this as well. They never tell anybody about it. They don't, they don't you know... They don't get good PR, and I mean, I've talked to them about it, and they said, "Well, we 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 don't feel we we have to really, you know, we'll do what we do." And well, and we... it's like the um, it's like the World War One thing, though. And Steve Atkins said it was like this is um, we haven't done it for the PR, done it for the people, and don't want to use them as like PR fodder, which I I see with a lot of it, I do. But you're right, it it goes unnoticed. Yeah. Indeed. All right, we've got another email. We've got two more, I think, possibly. Uh, yes, okay, so the penultimate one uh, is from Paul Marjoram, and he says, Dear Chidge and the gang, uh, even better than Cool and the gang. He didn't say that, but he, he says, Dear Chidge and the gang, what a great pleasure it was today to watch Chelsea get their first Premier League win while having all of the goals scored by products of the Youth Academy. Lampard may or may not be the best manager in the world, World, and I'm sure he wouldn't claim to be the best yet either. But he does have one key quality that all of our recent managers have lacked. He cares about the long-term future of the club. Because of our hair trigger when it comes to firing managers, all of our previous managers have been so concerned with short-term results in order to keep their jobs that they're not willing to play a youth player when a slightly better ageing senior player was an option. Because of this, the youth players got very few opportunities to play and therefore to grow. Frank is different, I believe. He cares about the long-term future of the club as much as he cares about his own success. Furthermore, he clearly believes in the worth of developing young players. So, under him, our academy players are going to be given a chance to play and a chance to become better players. As an older fan, I've already seen us win more trophies than I ever thought would be possible. 
we probably won't win anything this year, but I honestly don't care. What we are definitely going to do is learn exactly how good our Youth Academy products are and how good our young manager might be and what a joy that will be. Uh, the signs are good. I think we can already say that Reuben Loftus-Cheek, Callum Hudson-Odoi and Mason Mount have what it takes at this level. And there is every hope that Tammy Abraham, Fikayo Tamori, Reese James and Ethan Ampadu might be good enough as well. What a core group of young players we will then have. Perhaps, uh, sorry, players who have grown up with the club and who care about it as much as we do. Players that have had the privilege uh, that we've had the privilege of watching grow and a manager that feels the same way. I'm sure there will be ups and downs this season, but I'm equally sure that come what may, this is going to be a great season to watch and a very useful season for the club. One in which we invest in the long-term future of the club rather than just worrying about the short term and one in which we get to share in the joy of players like Tammy and Mason as they make their first appearances, score their first goals and become the best players that they can possibly be. What's not to like about that? Come on, you blues. Cheers, Paul. I agree with every single letter and punctuation mark in that email, Alex. I'm actually, like, joyous about this season and going forward and not because I kind of feel like I've uh, seen the light and seen what life is all about because it's not because I'm imagining loads of trophies at the end of it. I just feel like we have our football club back. Yeah, it's a good feeling, man. It's a good feeling. All right, JK, last but by no means least, Brendan Mallard. Brendan Mallard. Good day, Chich, kiddo and the gang. Kiddo. I will start off by saying I absolutely love the podcast, an absolute ripper. I've been listening Ripper, mate. Ripper. Ripper. I've been listening for a number of years now after I stumbled across your podcast on iTunes after the podcast boom took off in Australia. We're a bit slow on the uptake down under. It's gotten to the point I hang out for my twice-weekly Chelsea fix and was gutted when there were none coming through close to the season starting. Of course, I later learned it was an Apple podcast issue, so I'm happily up to date now. Bit about myself, I'm an Australian from Sydney who was born into supporting the Blues. The reason for this is down to my dad, who was lucky enough to play in the Chelsea youth squad in the mid-1960s. Being a Welshman, he played for the, the Welsh schoolboys as a centre-back against England, Scotland and Northern Ireland and after the tournament was fortunate to have two football contracts offered to him. Cardiff FC, his local big club or Chelsea FC. Needless to say, leaving school, choosing Chelsea and heading to the bright lights of London was a no-brainer. His claim to fame is playing a trial game with Peter Osgood just after Aussie turned up at Chelsea. Aussie was so casual, he turned up to the game straight from a construction site in his labouring clothes, steel cap boots and his football boots slung over his shoulder. He then proceeded to play at another stratosphere to everyone else on the pitch and banged in a couple of goals. The rest is history for Aussie. Alas, for my dad, his football career took a different path. After a few seasons in the Chelsea Youth and Reserves, he got scouted by an Australian to come and play for Sydney Olympic. Once settled there, he fell in love with Sydney and the Australia lifestyle and has been here ever since. Here in Sydney, I avidly watch the Chelsea games via Optus Sport, who have the pay TV rights in Australia, watch the review shows and chuckle at the bedwetting on social media post-games if it's a loss or giddy excitement if we've had a good win. I've had the good fortune to watch Chelsea play live twice. The first was an away game in the EPL in Birmingham against Aston Villa in October 2010. Unfortunately, 
It was a snooze fest. Nil-nil drawn game. The boys in blue were pretty awful, but the matchday experience and having a few pints in a designated Chelsea pub beforehand was awesome. It was a real eye-opener for an Aussie, for we're accustomed to mingling with opposition supporters before football, rugby, cricket games, etc., in pubs and in the ground. Seeing the large police presence and the mounted police on horseback was also quite a sight. Fast forward to 2015, I watched Chelsea play Sydney FC in the Sydney Olympic Stadium on a post-season tour, which although being a friendly game, it was played in a competitive spirit. And Remy scored with a fantastic left foot strike in a Chelsea 1-0 win. Anyway, that's my Chelsea story so far, and I can't wait for the future chapters that will be written. Hopefully, it will include attending some games at Stamford Bridge, starting with the Burnley game on January the 11th. The Sydney Chelsea Supporters Club are going to assist me getting a ticket, as I won't have enough of the dreaded loyalty points to do it on my own Chelsea membership. Would love to shout a, a beer pre-match with any of you lads who are heading to the game in the Cock or another pub close to the bridge. I can't wait to see what Frank has in store for us this season and just hope he's given time to mould his team into a real attacking force which all Chelsea supporters get behind which all Chelsea supporters get behind and make Stamford Bridge once again a formidable ground for opposition teams to visit. I was so pleased to see Frank get the first win under his belt against Norwich and what a great shot in the arm scoring two goals will be for Tammy. Keep up the great work, all the best and up the Chelsea, Brendan Mouse. Great stuff. I wonder if you saw his dad play, mate. Uh, Mallard. I don't remember a Mallard. I don't think he played in the first team, though, did he? He played youth stuff. Played youth, yeah. Yeah, Mallard. Yeah. I don't, I'd have remembered a Mallard, I think. Yeah. Well, what kind of supporter are you, mate? You weren't even watching the youth team. I know. Dearie, I mate. Terrible. I, was, I think I was nine, but I think that's fair enough. Okay, fair enough. I'll, 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 uh, yeah. I'll let you off that one. Yeah. Uh, what a what a top-draw bunch of uh, emails, mate. I remember that Birmingham game he's talking about. That was bloody Boxing Day as well early kick-off mm. in Birmingham mm. and the only amusing thing about that game was somebody waving around a Spongebob Squarepants toy. Okay. It was, yeah, that it was horror. I can believe that and then some. All right, okay. I'm afraid uh, that is all we've got time for on the emails this week. Uh, but we do love getting them from you and, uh, as you know, we'll always do our best to read them out. So if you do want to email us, send it to chelseafancast at gmail.com and try and get it to us by Monday morning at the absolute latest. And by the way, Dean Mears has come up with a great idea uh, that uh, the emails we get are so good that we should actually publish them on the website, and I actually agree with that. Uh, but I do think it might be good if you could give us your permission just to make sure. Uh, so when you do email us, can you let us know if you're happy for us to publish them, uh, or eventually I'll just get round to emailing you all back and saying, can we use it, please? But I think that'd be lovely, because they're really that good. They are way, way good, and we should put them up there for more people to see them. So there we go. Right. Okay, that is all we've got time for this week. We'll be back next Monday at the usual time when I'll be joined by Jonathan Kidd and Clayton Beerman to look back at the Chelsea versus Sheffield United match, amongst other things. Uh, in the meantime, don't forget to tune in to Chelsea Fancast on Love Sport Radio between 7 o'clock and 8 o'clock this Friday. Uh, Jonathan, uh, Dan Silver and Matt Beadle are in the hot seat this Friday and they will be discussing the Champions League draw, which happens that day, and they'll be previewing the Sheffield United match. So do listen, phone in, join in the show, debate with them live. The number to call is 0208 70 20 558. 
It also operates as a WhatsApp number, so you can uh, just leave a message as well if you want, if that's easier. Uh, now, Love Sport, of course, is a London radio station. It's broadcast on uh, the London DAB network, and uh, you can also listen to it uh, through Radio Player, TuneIn, and lovesportradio.com. And, of course, the show is available as a podcast shortly afterwards, as are all our shows on ChelseaFanCast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, and Spotify, and other other kind of ones that i don't even haven't even heard of but they're all podcast distributors anyway there you go follow the show on twitter at chelsea fancast me at stanford cheers jonathan at jonathan kid alex at cfcgwlb and of course check out the website chelseafancast.com many thanks to the chelsea fancast bloggers for their regular content going up during the week and they are on twitter at nick stroudley at clitheroe blue at dean mears at cfcgwlb and of course do follow the other chelsea fancast regulars the chelsea fancast squad uh which i have put together over many years of wheeling and dealing and transfer negotiations and they are at gate 17 marco at dan silv 73 at joe tweedy at goalie 59 at gross jet uk at liam underscore to me and at oj harboard fantastic i am fit to drop i'm i've sweated my own body weight tonight in this office with the window shut but there you go jonathan brilliant show enjoyed it as ever mate lovely to be here sorry about the glitch earlier with my strange downloads that's all right mate we love you anyway and i can always edit it out what i'm about to do so there you go uh alex um it's been way too long having your sense and sensibility on this show we better hurry up and get you back on soon in it in it and uh, when you, you you're doing a love sports show with us soon because you, you missed one so maybe it won't be for a while but, maybe uh, no i think I, there's one on the schedule still but no oh, right. my face was in so much agony that day there was i no know chance. i know that was that's a real real shame um we're doing a lot of squad rotation this year there are so many of us now uh, and also we're all getting quite old most of us so we need to spread it spread the love uh spread it around a bit not to put too much pressure on people so you know and i've kind of cut this down to three people because basically we all talk so much that uh if we have four on nobody gets a, a an equal say so that's why slight changes this year but i hope you approve if you don't approve uh, approve then let me know and email me or tweet me <laughs> and say chidge you got it all wrong you dick i was gonna sort say if you out. don't approve piss off <laughs> no 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 we're, we're, we're you know i i i respond when I've, I've had years of therapy i know how to respond to personal criticism these days yeah fuck off that's how i respond no 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 I don't, I don't respond like that i welcome it because ultimately it's their show as much as it is ours and that's the point and on that very happy buddhist note i bid you farewell thank you for listening see you next time until then keep it blue keep it carefree and keep it chills up the It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.